It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Breakfast on SEN. Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I'd like to think you've come to the right place. SEN Breakfast on this Thursday morning, the 25th day of January in the McCafe menu feel like we say the same every morning, but particularly this morning, she's absolutely loaded. Our official coffee partner has Jared Waitley to preview. People know who you are, man. We know who he is, man. He's up at the Gabatoir for the pink ball test between Australia and the Windy. Starts later on today. He'll help us preview that, and it's hard to find a better set of hands to do that. Danny Daly, one of our favourites. Brisbane GM of football is going to join us. A lot of hype around the lines. Is the most talented list we've seen Since when, Aaron Sipos, former Philadelphia Eagles punter, is going to drop by. Brett Phillips, our daily Australian Open update. Questions without notice, and goodness knows what else this man is going to come up with. Uh, The Port Adelaide legend, Kane Corns, is here. Volcano. Very good morning, Sammy, and to everyone here. I've got a fair bit uh, on the agenda this morning. Looking forward to getting into that. The the Adelaide coach, uh, I want to speak about that. Nick Mm. Kyrgios, retired, then he (laughs) unretired, even though it was in his own column. We touched on that yesterday, so can't even be trusted to write his own column. We've got Jordan Degoe and Nick Dacos. Bit of a little scuffle. Pre-season scuffle, which happens from time to time. And I've just logged on to news.com, which I which I like to do because sometimes it provides a little bit of ammunition, particularly prior to 6.30. And I've looked at a story that says, full, corns in fight with footy show host. I saw the headline, full. <laughs> Who said full? I don't know. Uh, I, could... I didn't even click on it. I, a, I just saw the headline. That was enough for me. And yeah. there's something else I want to talk about. I want to shine a light back on Victoria Police, of all people, but Michael Pell as well, the former AFL umpire. 15 months and counting now since he was arrested. Still no charges. Another report really? has come to light uh, that was tabled in 2018 with the federal government commissioned in 2017 around uh, the differences in legislation with passing on of inside information in this state, Victoria, and what we have always spoken about with Gary and Tim and various shows here on SEN over the course of the last year about how it was always going to be difficult for police to make these charges stick, and it remains so 15 months on. When is enough enough? So we'll, mm. we'll go back over that a little bit later on. But you can get involved at any time, of course. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 The 40 Winks temper is 0433981116. And Kane, I sat down, this nice chair here this morning, got myself sorted out, just made sure the monitors were looking right and had a look up at the first, well, it was an inadvisable (laughs) weight loss method. Uh, Had a look up at the, uh, efficient though, had a look up at the 40 Wings Temper text to see what greeted us and the first text has dropped here at 5.59am. Sam, what did you do to Cameron Green? Yes. Well, what did you do? Foolishly mentioned this yesterday when perhaps I shouldn't have. Now, Cam no. Green's crook. 
Yeah, and it's all your fault. Well, should someone ring him up and say he's got gastro and not COVID? I mean, exactly I'm pretty... Exactly right. <laughs> I saw this yesterday and oh, it's, oh no, no, another one's gone down. My heart uh, sank. COVID, but I, after what you shared with us in your time in Adelaide, and you bringing down a whole aircraft of people with a nasty bug, including Cameron Green, who you rubbed shoulders with as you were getting on the aircraft yep. in the height of your sickness. Yep. He, and now he's got COVID. This is this is not COVID. He, he went, should retest. <laughs> he went in to use the old urinal, and I went into the cubicle, and we came in at the same time. I thought, crikey, that's Cameron Green. And next but, minute, he's struck down. Next minute, I didn't see. The headline was just Cameron Green out. That's all I saw. <laughs> Gee whiz, my heart. You should have seen how fast it was going when I saw that. If they say he's got a bug, I will die. You've taken down the host, the hosties. You've taken down the whole plane. Oh. Now you've taken down Cam Green. Oh, geez. Anyway, don't, I don't feel good about it. Hopefully. And then Andrew McDonald, the coach, is in a little, he's has gone. done himself a mischief as well. He, he's out. Oh, uh, but anyway, these days... After the sick bay. Yes. Thankfully, you can uh, you can play, and hopefully the weather behaves itself up there. A lot of cricket around too, obviously, with the BBL final, yeah. the Brisbane Heat getting it done. A bit of a fizzer. Uh, yeah, but I, I think there's enough stories there. Gee, the big fella backed it up with the bat again, though, and I love the mum and the whole story. It's great, wasn't it, uh, Josh well, Brown? We, we had uh, Ricky Ponting on when you were ill after that amazing 100 that he made with 12 sixes, and we sort of asked Ricky Ponting what... what could that innings do? And he said, mm-hmm. look, I'll be really, this is the next day, I'll be really surprised if he hasn't had already two phone calls from overseas franchises. And that actually was confirmed yep. yesterday that he had had two phone calls and last night wouldn't have done him any harm either, 53 or 38 and three sixes and five fours. So, well, I wonder if um, he knew. I wonder if he was the intermediary, Ricky maybe, Ponding. And maybe, maybe, can we maybe, get this guy's yeah, maybe. It didn't sound like, it. we can trace the audio down. Oh, it didn't sound like that was the case. He just knows how mm, the how landscape works. works and how you can almost be an overnight success. Really. Well, eight and a half century from 38 balls last night. So well and truly backed it up on it and a difficult wicket to bat. And we'll get into it later. But the other part of that story um, is young Spencer Johnson, the, the, the left arm quick for the, for the heat, who over the course of the last 12 months has gone from injury riddled to unknown to now an absolute superstar in this format. And he's going to play in the IPL for the Titans, $1.78 million uh, contract, 20 times his base price it was at that auction. So life-changing 12 months or a bit more for Spencer Johnson, who took four for last night. Incredible. Yep, no, incredible. That's what the uh, well, the riches of the game can do. Now, not every, I think everyone thinks this, everyone gets rich off BBL. It's not the case. But if they identify a specialist skill that you've got like he had, and performing in big games, in big finals, or well, the final is going to do him no harm either. And we had some big names out of the Australian Open. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe uh, Carlos. I, I was, you know what I was going to say yesterday? I, I, d- I don't think I said it, but I was certainly thinking it when BP was on. I was like, Alcaraz is going to win in straight sets in one of the shortest matches he's ever had. He's, <laughs> he's going to destroy Zverev. That's got... what I was, I was thinking that in my head. I don't think I said it. Um, but no, no, no he, he got smoked himself. He got absolutely smacked around. And in, in commentary, uh, I can't remember who said it, whether it was Johnny McEnroe or someone else, they couldn't remember a time that Alcaraz had been bullied like, mm. like he was against Verev. He was absolutely punished. There was a little uh, flicker of uh, of light in the third set there, something of a fight back, but then quickly snuffed out thereafter. So he's gone. Uh, he was seen to be... Uh, the uh, Novak's greatest challenger, but it's going to be down to someone else now. feel like we've seen this movie before, and I think I know the way it's going. Uh, yeah, Nick Kyrgios, can we talk about this? You, you alluded to it before. Oh. He, 
What? He's rubbished retirement claims reported by himself, <laughs> effectively. Uh, this was peak, peak Nick Kyrgios. He called the prospect of him retiring a nonsense hours after a column with his name on it said, quote, his time in the sport may be over. Uh, the headline actually was, I'm contemplating retirement and won't be available for the Paris Olympics. So he said, no, no, I just want to clear all this up. It's absolute nonsense. It's unbelievable. <laughs> what, 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 what did I tell you yesterday? I said, why would you want him in special commentary or writing a column? Yep. Fake news. I want him, I want him serving 220 on my screen, yelling at ball boys and, and lines people or, or umpires now. And I'll watch that. I'm not going to read his column because he's not going to give us any insights. And I'm not sure he's even written this column or had any input into it because he said, the reality is there is part of me that knows my time in the sport may be over. (laughs) I'm at a crossroads in my career and I've reached a point in life after tennis is a prospect that excites me. I could travel the world making really good money, commentating on the sport, doing things like I'm doing my talk show, interviewing people like Gordon Ramsay and Mike Tyson. He wrote... And the next day, he's come out on his Instagram and he says, attention, I'm not retiring. Please do not spread this garbage. I'm coming back and we'll be lining up court soon. The guy's a mess. I have woken up today and realised about some articles going around. You wrote them. (laughs) You can't make that up, can you? What's happened? Are we missing anything? I don't think we are. It's the danger of a a ghostwriter, I think. My goodness! Oh, we me. saw that with um, we saw that with the Mitchell Johnson yes. um, uh, yeah, yeah. commentary around David Warner. There were some words that were used in his column, however, that in the end he said were too strong. When you do this, and I've done it. In fact, back in the day, I used to ghostwrite for David King, Kingy. You used to help Kingy out with his columns, but you always, regardless of who it is, whether it's Nick Kyrgios, David King, it would always go back to the person for approval. So I would be staggered. If that wasn't laid out in front of Nick Kyrgios to say, sign off on this. Clearly, clearly not. Surely, (laughs) surely he signed off on it. Anyway, I just can't. I couldn't get my head around it. Biggest backflip. So far, double three, 98, 11, 16. Let us know. I couldn't. uh, So we had the person ring up. Nah, Nick's great. He gives great insights into commentary and his columns are great. Well, well, they're not because he doesn't even know what he's writing. (laughs) Yeah. So the biggest backflip's fine. What about worst bat flips? Did you, now, did you see this? You sent this through, but I missed. The double bat flip attempt in the BBL decider last night. Now, if anyone saw it, it's not a big issue, of course, but geez, it was comical. A couple of cracks at it. Old mate would like his time again, entrusted with the bat flip. The first one went back up over his head. Basically clocked himself. Then he had to do a redo, and he threw it up, and the thing just floated. Oh, it didn't flip. It just and then sort he tried of, to catch it. It went straight up and straight down. In the end, it was like, oh, I'm just going to have to roll with where it's landed in the end. It was un- <laughs> unreal. Because you would have thought, like, it's a reasonable advantage, isn't it, winning the bat flip or the, the coin toss? You'd want to get it right. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting wicket last night, actually. It's um, well, maybe we'll get quickly Jared's thoughts on on the whole big bash uh, scenario last night. But they, anyway, they had a record crowd too at the SCG for a Sixers game. I think north of forty thousand. So at least the people uh, turned out uh, to watch it. Um, the the Dagoe Nick Dacos, we're getting a text yeah. here. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Nick Dacos was laughing just after the little wrestle. He was. Um, but they definitely came in for a bit of a, a grapple, which is what Def- happens over definitely. preseason. Definitely. Well, it? we see it. We've seen it a lot. There was one at Adelaide a couple of years ago. Uh, we've seen some nasty ones, like the one at... Uh, oh, they're all playing, playing second. They're all playing nasty. second. They're all playing second to Cam Cloak <laughs> and Big Satan. 
They're all playing for second. I showed my kids that the other day. They couldn't believe it. They thought it was hilarious. But I'm always for it. I don't have an issue with it. As long as it gets fiery. Well, I think we saw Cripps have one with Kennedy earlier on oh, yeah, this that year. Was, he he yeah. wasn't happy with some treatment, a tackle that was laid on him. He just went over and bumped him back and clearly agitated by it. That's good. It's I think that was last year, yeah. I mean... Tempest can flare in the sun. I mean, Adelaide have had a couple. Uh, Hawthorne have had a couple. I think Hawthorne had one recently with your man Weddle. Might have got involved in a little scrap with someone. And again, it's all, you know, nothing of the Satanda Cam Cloak variety. But this is what happens when you spend four months couple, yeah, getting stuck I into each other. I saw a couple of comments saying if this happened at Melbourne, they'd be questioning our culture and things like that. I don't think, I don't think we would. I'm, I'm sure, you know, Stephen May and, and others have had few scuffles at training before. It is good. It is good. It's what's happened. What, it's what happens when you're hot, you're bothered, you're fatigued in the middle of pre-season, you want it to be over. So no issue mm. whatsoever. Um, and, yeah, did you see the clip that they put up at Brendan Bolton speaking about Jordan Ngoi? It was a good insight no. on the Collingwood website. Um, they were re- reviewing some training footage and they had a centre bounce and the players are sitting around watching the footage and Brendan Bolton's up there just highlighting a centre bounce that Jordan Ngoi wins. He Typical Jordan Ngoi wins a clearance, brushes off one, brushes off another, releases a teammate, they go inside 50. Jordan Ngoi butters up and gets it again to Pendlebury and Pendlebury mm. hits the target inside forward 50. And essentially Brendan Bolton was saying, mate, we're so lucky to have you. It was, really, it was a really good insight into the way that language ch- has changed over the last sort of, 20 years and, mm. and now players feel like they need to be valued and clearly coaches need to express to the players that they're valued. Cause you'd think, you know, Jordan Ngoi after what he's done in the prelim final and everything that he's done in the grand final would know that he's valued, but they still go out of their way to show the clip of training and say, mate, just letting you know you're valued here. Yeah. It was, it was the modern way of coaching. Was didn't a you really say good insight. Mark Williams used to do a lot of that too in your time or at he least more individually though, yeah. like he used to do anything he could to get you up. So if that meant he'd come over and say, mate, you're a bit flat. Do you need to mm. go home early from training or do you, do you want to, do you want a day off? Do you want to spend a day with the kid? But that was more like just an individual conversation either in his office or just in passing. This was in front of everyone. And then they've gone about posting that online mm. for not only their members, but for all of us to see. We might... We'll get Brooksy to mm. chase the audio for those that have missed it. But it was just a really, I thought, a good insight into the way that modern coaching and, and modern feedback is given more so than, you know, it was a bit bit harder and more focused on the things you've done wrong. Now I think it's more focused on the things you're doing well. Mm. Our biggest backflip, Nick says, was definitely Sydney Stack at the Mornington uh, Rock Pools. Yeah, that was oh. down at the back of right there. Damien Harwick did a big backflip, says Shooter and Kilsoth as uh, well. Mate, I hate coming here. I probably shouldn't say that. Double three. 98, uh, 11, 16. Um, the, just the hype meter. Just I mentioned your yeah, man, Weddle, just before. Where, where are you sitting on the preseason hype meter? Oh, there's one guy that oh, I should have mentioned him yesterday because he, he'd been bubbling away and then there was a – they circled back for another cracker, another couple of stories yesterday. He's the draftee at the Western Bulldogs for sure. If he's not at the top, he's right there. Riley Sanders, he's, a, he's been described as a mix between Pendlebury – and did I, did someone say to Gowie? Oh, I can't remember who it was now. It might have been Dangerfield. But basically, the kid's going to be something special. There's uh, The dogs have bought into it. Obviously, they've hyped him up in all, a lot of their socials. A lot of stories are being written. A lot of teammates, a lot of former teammates. I reckon he's winning the hype off. Harold's son today, so clean. Hype builds for Doggies draftee as key ruck back in action. 
uh, and that's on Riley Sanders. So is he number one? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the preseason hype meter. Harley Reid. I mean, well, it started I mean, with Reid, but then he's oh. gone. Well, he's sort of over the other side of the country for us, oh, so no. maybe we don't have an appreciation. And and Nate Caddy was another one at Essendon. He was probably the club leader. Came in after Harley Reid, and then there's Weddle's been bubbling away. Finn mm. McRae, I noticed just a little bit of bubble with him as well. Uh, long been Raider, but hasn't got the look in necessarily at Collingwood. But I tell you what, Riley's been the consistent one ever since yeah, he got so there. Jason Johannes and his teammates said on RSN, there's been a lot of hype around Riley, but it's very merit, uh, merited. The way he's been training has been unbelievable. Personally, he reminds me of a young Libba. Libba. And a mix of Scott Pendlebury. Right. So that's good. So good a clearance beast and then clearly has oodles of time and always makes the right decision. He's running like a snail. What a combo. <laughs> what? It's good if you can. Well, that's the thing about it. Honestly, I'm telling you, the dogs are stacked. How can you have the list that you've got and then go and get this young man at pick six when you've been blessed with academies and far? They're stacked. I'm telling you. All right. You're not sure. All right. I'll take you you're in not, Facebook. Not, oh, after not. after last year, how can you be sure of anything down no, there? All the, the, the Where's the review findings oh, coming oh, out? I don't know. It's January 25. And it started on November 13. This must be hours away. Must be hours. Peter Jackson uh, has been brought in as a consultant there as well, alongside Amit Baines. Uh, Jared Waitley's going to join us. Danny Daly, Aaron Sibos, Brett Phillips. Questions without notice. And we're all powered by Kubota in here for more than 40 years. We've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. And don't miss your last chance to become a trailblazer. Have your name on the first ever Mavs game day dress and become a member today. Just head on over to melbournemavericks.com. Get involved with us. Summer breakfast. Sam Edmund, Kane Corns, back in a month. Breakfast on SEN. Can't wait to hear that chemist warehouse script when it does go to air. A bit of eau du parfum. I thought your pronunciation was perfect for that, Kano. Mozza poses a good question off the uh, 40 Wings temper, though. Just when we're speaking about Riley Sanders being described by uh, Jason Johannesson as a mix between uh, Libba and Scotty Pendlebury, uh, Mozza says, who's the best player combo you can be likened to? Would it be Pendlebury in danger? Now he's talking current day. What if we just open the pool up, though? What if you had, oh, look, he's a mesh between Lance Franklin and Chris Judd. Gets it to Judd. 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 <laughs> you know, he's a merger between Gary Ablett Sr. and Lee Matthews. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've heard a few, like, draftees come out before they're drafted and they say, who do you want to play like? Yeah. And they, do, they do something like that. Like, yeah, I'm a mix between yeah. Dangerfield and, and Ablett Jr. It's, it's unbelievable. They're good sports, the kids, because they, they ask them. They say, come on, who do you – so we can liken you to someone. Yeah. Who, who, who are you? Oh, you know, Peter Matera, yeah. circa 1992. Yeah, they're pretty confident. But that's a good question. I for double three nine eight eleven sixteen, the best combo mix yeah. of any player if you could choose. If you had the keys to the lab, that have so been. So you want real power and strength, speed, but then you want real skill and finishing ability. So maybe well, a mix. Yeah, you want everything. So you know, you've got the keys to the lab. You can open up the genetic files of the greatest VFL <laughs> AFL players ever, and just to just inject them into your bloodstream and whooshka. You are a combination of only two, though. You can only have two vials. You can't. I don't just... know why I thought this, but what? Like, was, just because we were speaking about this last week, what what would happen if you had a mix between like Andrew McLeod and Tony Modra? What would happen there? Well, you'd have you'd have big big game. 
prowess, right? That's the other part of it. Yeah. And that men, yeah, mentality to just perform on the big stage for a start. You'd have ridiculous uh, ground ball athleticism and you'd have a vertical leap of Superman. You'd basically and be unstoppable. Although, one of the best kicks we've seen and finishes, like or well, both of them really, but extraordinary. All so right, where would you think... play him? Where would you where well, would you that's play? The other question. Where would you where would you play <laughs> Andrew Modra? Where would you put him? I mean he'd be taking be hangers at half back. Half forward. Have to be at half forward. <laughs> like Toby Green style, I reckon I'd play him. Yeah, okay. But you just wreak havoc yeah. anywhere. Uh, Aaron says he ought to take a mix between Dustin Martin and Dustin Martin. Very good, Aaron. Mm, Very not bad, good. Not bad. Uh, Leighton got a statue. He did. I saw yes. a hat backwards. What'd you think? I thought it wasn't a bad looking bust. To be honest, I've seen I've seen some shockers in my time, but I thought it was a trademark. The trademark smirk, the cap on backwards. Or did he? All, the cap on backwards is very much young Leighton, though, wasn't it? No, I reckon he went. Most of his career with Did the he? cap backwards. Right, okay. I was yeah. trying to recall. Very occasionally he would wear it forwards, but and sometimes no hat. But if the, if he had a hat on, largely it was it was backwards. But yeah, I, I think that was the right call to have the hat backwards with the with the statue. Peak 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 Leighton was sort of two thousand and three, two thousand two to two thousand five. When, I, when was, I remember him, I just remember those massive ankle. Um, sort of braces, band, braces yeah. that he wore, the big Velcro jobs to so keep the ankles. Didn't roll packed. his ankles. God, he's a warrior though, wasn't he? Like you look at the players now and the players then, and the he squeezed every last just milliliter out of that lemon, didn't he, to yeah. get where he got to, which is so admirable. And that's what we admire about uh, Demon Orr, and he's got those traits as well. But yeah, congratulations, you know, Australian, uh, sorry, tennis Hall of Fame last night. Good statue. And definitely well deserved. Hey, Nick's in West Footscray on the open line. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. How are you there, Nick? Yeah, going well, going well. Since we're talking those combination plays, yeah. could you beat somebody like a Diesel Williams? That's with Lance Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good one, Nick. Awesome. So you got the. I'm not saying I changed the game, but I did. <laughs> yeah, you and changed the game. Play? Where do you play? You him? got the That's tortoise and the hare in yeah. into one body. You play midfield or forward. Where do you reckon, Nick? Where are you put where are you putting uh, Diesel Franklin? Oh, straight to centre. Yeah, yeah, just to run a mark. Well, yeah, he'd have the athletic gifts, that's for sure. Good on you, Nick. Mick Sinclair North, he's got one other nomination before the news. This one isn't bad either. How are you, Mick? Good. Good morning, boys. Yeah, I'd have Dusty and uh, Kuda Foodies. Mm. Yeah, not bad. Well, Kuda could do just about everything anyway in one body. Mix him like with tackling it. them. Yeah, <laughs> yes. They'd be pretty good at shrugging tackles, that person, wouldn't they? A mix of Modra and McLeod equals at Gary Ablett Senior, says his texter. Yeah, uh, maybe. Not, not bad. Uh, imagine a combo of Greg Williams and Scott Pendlebury. His name is Nick Dacos, says his texter as well. So people having mm, some fun. A bit, bit more leg speed, though. Fun Nick with that. Scott. Yeah, yeah. Um, so keep those texts coming through. Uh, we better get to the news, uh, Kana. There is a lot to get to today. Uh, the Turtle Caller of the Year is back. By the way, we've found uh, the audio of Brendan Bolton. We'll get to that on the other side uh, as well, that uh, little spiel on Jordan Ngoi down at Collingwood that the Pies put out yesterday. But the Turtle Caller of the Year starts next Monday, so it's your chance to get in early and win a 2024 Toyota Hilux GR Sport. And it's all thanks to our friends at Toyota. There's a Toyota Hilux stock available everywhere right now. Contact your local Toyota dealer today. 40 Wings Temper, keep them coming through. 0433981116. We'll grab ourselves a McCafe coffee and be back after Nathan Gardner's news headlines. Nathan, thank you. Sam Edmund Kane Corns with you for summer breaky up until 9 o'clock. Do you reckon with that Leighton... 
statue they gave any thought to the come on part? Come on. Get the hand out the front and might be a bit difficult. <laughs> what I mean, difficult to engineer, do you reckon? Very clever, so. those people that do those things. Uh, just before we get to a, a sports update, and, and he's a big one as well, uh, Jason's been waiting on the line in Essendon. How are you, Jace? How's it going, boys? Um, Hello, Jace. There was a certain AFL W player that went on the footy show before our first game and compared herself to a mixture between Buddy and Cyril. <laughs> right. um, and should be really nice if they didn't really work out too well. <laughs> that's a tough bar to meet, that's for sure. Combination of Buddy and Cyril. What an athletic, uh, you know, Tough freak. expectations coming yeah. in. That's uh, with, two with of the that. most freakish players of all time in one body would be something. And Wayne, just quickly, he's, uh, he's in Atwood. He's got another, or well, one from yesteryear, actually, a nomination for us. How are you, Wayne? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, I'd have Plugger, and I'd have the Galloping Gasometer. <laughs> Mickey Nolan. Uh, you got to have him, don't you? There you go. No one, no, one, no one will beat him in the forward line. No, that'd be pretty much unstoppable, Wayne, and some real swagger about them as well. Got only a good nomination from you. Stack of them coming in. Uh, but sports update, lots happened since we last spoke. The Brisbane Heat, for a start, are the BBL champions. Their 54-run win over the Sydney Sixers got it done. It was in the final at the SCG last night. They batted first, Brisbane, and they made uh, 167, which is pretty good going on that wicket as it turned out. 166 was the total, 167 the target. Spencer Johnson then took charge with the ball, and he was named player of the match. Four for 26, if you don't mind, to uh, just continue this amazing last 12 months or so he's been having. It is the best bowling figures cane ever in a BBL final. Yep, Josh Brown led the scoring once again, as we touched on before. 53 from 38, and the offers are coming from overseas franchises for him off the back of what he's done in his last two matches. You mentioned the crowd, which was huge. 43,000 just over Mm. fans attended the match, the most ever for a BBL game in Sydney. Not bad going. The tennis, Daniil Medvedev overcame Polish number nine seed Hubert. Her catch in five sets, that one went... More than four hours. That was the afternoon session on Rod Laver Arena. But the big story of the day was Alexander Zverev and his demolition of Carlos Alcaraz, the second seed. That was done in four. And Diana Yastremska is the last remaining fairy tale story. So the qualifier, in fact, the first qualifier in 45 years mm. to make a semi-final. And she defeated teenager Linda Noshkova in straight sets. Uh, Kinwen Zeng outlasted Anna Kalinskia in a long three-set night session match as well. So getting down to the pointy end there in both the men's and the women's case. Certainly are disappointing about uh, Alcaraz going out. Uh, Zverev has surprised me, and Medvedev's won me over. I wasn't sure about Medvedev. I thought, he was, I thought he was a hothead. Uh, I didn't think he was that likeable. I love him now. He's I thought he liked over. not being liked, if that made sense. I thought well, he embraced thought. the villain. Tag. The villain. But his post, and you alerted me to this, I went back and watched it. His post-match interviews on court have become just must-watch. Must, must-watch, must yeah. He's really won me over. He's likeable. So I'm, I'm going for Medvedev from here on in. AFL executive, GM of football, Laura Kane, has spent time with Tennis Australia at the Australian Open. She's also attended the NFL and the NBA. Some of her colleagues have gone to the EPL and Formula 1 GP over the summer in order to compare notes and gather information in terms of technology, player facilities and more. The ARC is one of the key agenda items for the AFL to fix as they tap into elite sports from around the globe. It is... Score review. (laughs) It is amazing that we're watching the tennis and... They just get it right every time. That's flawless. And you'd reckon that would be the hardest. That would be the hardest. 
It is fl- the players just move on. There's, n- there's never any arguments no. anymore. They just take it at, at gospel and, and it is right. A and piece we of cannot. fluff kisses the line. It's like, oh, okay, I'm on the next one. An instant replay straight away to, to show you how much it missed by. So, mm. yeah, it's a, it, that one is is strange. Bad blow for the Dockers. Uh, one of their good defenders, very good defenders, Brennan Cox, has had his preseason interrupted. He's set to be sidelined for a month. Diagnosed stress fracture in his fibula in a month. So hopefully it, it is only a month as well. Uh, a lot of injuries around the competition at the moment. I'll tell you what, those uh, contract curses will get you. The seven-year contract. He wouldn't have got injured get... if he'd signed a one-year. Well, he may have, but you wouldn't be liable <laughs> for seven years of his contract that you have to pay him regardless of whether he plays or not. Oh, hey, his leg hasn't fallen off yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> it's still attached. <laughs> uh, report from uh, the States. We touched on this yesterday. Doc Rivers and the Bucks have reached an in-principle agreement for Rivers to become the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks after they mm. sensationally sacked their coach, Adrian Griffith, yesterday. What was that win last? 30 and 13. 30 and 13, he sacked. And Doc Rivers was like the marquee signing for ESPN. He's doing their games. He was going to do the NBA playoffs. Huge mm. gig. He seemed to be loving life and, and doing some podcasts and things like that. But it just goes to show that competitive nature of the coaches are, are drawn back into it. Um, a very likable Doc Rivers, so hopefully it goes well for him. Yep, it is. Uh, Cam Green has been struck down with COVID, uh, not gastro, COVID. <laughs> and the coach, Andrew McDonald, also tested positive with COVID as well. They are expected to still be involved, though, in the first test, which starts today. I see uh, Travis Head out of protocols now and training with the rest of the team as well. Um, it, the, I, it's interesting that they can still play with COVID. So when there's a wicket and he's fielding a gully, what happens? Can they... Does he come in and backslap everyone, no, and they just move just, on, or he just stays well, out Moses, of it? Moses Enrique's had it last night. He just sat oh, on his own. He just yeah, didn't get involved. So I think we're just going to get used fine, to that. Fine leg to fine leg. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Uh, we touched on this. My man, Leighton Hewitt, was inducted into the Australian Tennis Hall of Fame last night inside Rod Laver Arena, the former world number one. He spent 80 weeks atop the ATP rankings and won 30 tour-level singles titles, including two majors, of course, the US in 2001, and the famous Wimbledon title in 2002. And the 2001 US Open, that was just before 9-11, wasn't it, I think, from, yeah, from he memory? Yeah, he, he was he's there still, when... The day before, yeah, he was still in the city. Yeah, yeah. that's how I... Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, just before we break, Mark's in South Melbourne. He might have another genetic combo for us. Uh, Mark, who you got? Fraser Garrick is a Nicky Wimmer. <laughs> Jeez. Well, Fraser, the G-Train, before he sort of... Reinvented himself as a bullocking defender, uh, wasn't he? Uh, he was as a full forward. He was bloody quick. He was lightning quick. Razor was lightning off a wing him and half bursting back, bursting off half back. Big mullet flowing. Yep. Yeah, and then he put on probably twenty kilos and became a power forward. Turned into the G train and took no prisoners as well. Uh, and Nicky Winmar will say no more. Great combination, Mark. Good nomination from you, Bunnings. Speaking of great things, they can Bunnings Trade can help you get back to work with amazing value on a huge range. Love the folk at Bunnings and very good to us here at SEN. Keep the texts coming. Keep the calls coming. The lines will stay open. I'll show here. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen and that open line one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Big show ahead of us. Don't be shy though. Sam Edmund Kane Corns back in a moment. Breakfast on SEN. Big show. Jared Waitley's going to join us. Danny Daly, Aaron Sipos. Countdown to the Super Bowl now. Brett Phillips questions without notice. In fact, speaking of Jared Waitley and Super Bowls, uh, there was a text here. Corn and Sam, is Jared heading to Vegas to call the Super Bowl this year? Love to catch up with him and talk some NFL in Vegas. That's from 530. He is. 
People know who you are, man. He's <laughs> headed to the strip. People know who you are, man. And uh, he's going to be calling the game, of course. That's what he does for us here at SEN. And Brooks, he's going over. Our intrepid producer I'm here, Kane. wrapped for that. Uh, Next Saturday, he's on the Big one Bird. One of the greats. Uh, he's Brooksy, one of the best producers in the business. Enjoy that. So we'll have to we'll have to get Brooksy on air. He yeah. Come on air. I enough. just no, and I just asked him where is he where's he staying, and he said uh, we're we're being put up. The NFL chose uh, Tropicana, so I don't know if those people who know Vegas quite well, just over the road from the MGM Grand, only mm. uh, around the corner from Allegiant Stadium. Um, obviously, the airport's close to everything, so not a bad little spot there. Tropicana. Anyone who stayed there, give it a Can we thumbs up. Tr- Trust Jared in Vegas. Well, that's what I asked Brooksy. I said, you want to keep your head on a swivel when you're going with Jared and keep the blinkers on. Don't get distracted. Don't let Jared lead you astray down the strip. There's temptations everywhere. I know. Just keep your eye on the prize. I've seen him at Disneyland. Yes, you know what he's like. I, exactly. I know what he's capable of. Yeah, that's right. So uh, he's going to join us a little bit later on. But. One of the great stadiums, this uh, this stadium in Vegas. Oh, but I know. I'd love to. In, indoors, feel, but it feels like you're out. It's kind of weird. It feels like you're outdoors because of the airflow sort of Did you conditioning go? system. I, I've seen a game there um, in 2022, uh, and it's just the best. It's the best. Allegiant so Stadium. Man. have a better spot for a Super Bowl. I mean, there, there would have been some great ones, and if you've been to one, Lucky you. Would love to get there one day, but this would be... So the roof... If you're going to go to a Super Bowl, I reckon this would be top three. Would it be this on Miami? I reckon Miami yeah. would be good too. But is yeah. it like a perspective? What's the roof? It's yeah, it's like, like see-through. So yeah. when the planes and that fly over, you can, it feels like they're flying straight over you and you can see straight up. It's just the like the entertainment, the big screen, yeah. the sound system. It's just... Like the sphere billions, billions I'm fascinated by as well. The sphere. So am I. Yeah, yeah. Like where you two have been playing over there in Vegas, which looks, ama- which looks amazing. And Brooksy says he's going there as well. Yeah, oh, to see you too, are you, Brooksy? Yep, he's going to see you too at the sphere. <laughs> Sounds like a horrible <laughs> trip. Sounds like a shocking trip. The things we have to do here, I tell you what, unbelievable the, the sacrifices Getty, he makes. It's going to be... It's gonna. Is it gonna be unbearable with the Taylor Swift hype? Oh. The chief, because it's, it's two weeks. Of the it's Vegas. Up. So anything you've got Mahomes, you got Kelsey, and you've got Taylor Swift. Hang on, when's Taylor? NFL when's Tay Tay due? When's Tay Tay due here in Australia? In February. Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay, so she's timed that very well. Very, very well. Very well. Hey, um, it is oh, going to hate him. I don't know <laughs> if we've got time for this now. Well, this is Josh Brown, obviously. Uh, you mentioned the offers might come flooding in for him. The 140 backed up by the 50-odd in the final off 30-odd balls. This was uh, your man, Ricky Ponting, on uh, on Josh Brown here, Kano. He's probably taken phone calls last night and this morning from most domestic comps around the world, I'd yeah. imagine. I mean, there's a, you know, it only takes a, a couple of breakout performances. Like, you know, if anyone has a couple of standout performances. I don't know, it doesn't matter if they've been heard of before, if they're, they're star players or youngsters on the rise. If they have a couple of really good performances just before that IPL auction, then you know, they're, they're, their value normally goes through the roof. And that could easily happen with Josh Brown. I know it's, a, I know it's pretty much a, a one-off that innings he played last night, but you, you can that, that ball-striking talent is, is there. And um, you know, if, if he can work out the right way to go about his T20 cricket from here on with the power that he's got, then he could easily find himself in a, a few other franchises around the world. And he did. And he got some calls and he actually said, listen, I'm just parking this for a moment. I want to concentrate on the final, which is great. I just love the story. His mum, Chris, gets the day off from Coles to travel to Sydney to watch the final. Uh, she drops him off at the airport first, though, for the flight from <laughs> Brisbane. It just has, it ticks every box. And then Chris put up by the, 
the Fox Sports uh, cricket box at the SCG as well, out the front, nervously clutching uh, a glass of Shiraz and, and watching yeah. her son do his thing again. Yeah, good. Well, that was the day after. And then we saw the reports yesterday that had actually happened. So, um, yeah, as we, as we spoke about those overnight successes in sport, you know, we, we touched on what David Warner did, you know, probably 15 years ago. And, and Nathan Lyon, we mentioned just how he can be discovered in, in the weird ways now. Mm. And is there more talent out there like this? Surely, surely there's talent playing domestic cricket out there or makes his own football. bats. Makes his yeah, own bats. Yeah, good. It's but. so good. But uh, just those undiscovered talents that must be out there. Uh, you know, we always mention Tom Stewart, but there'd be plenty of them, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Weather update today, City Power, the summer, be prepared for extreme weather. Sign up for SMS outage alerts at unitedenergy.com.au slash notify. Melbourne today, headed for a nice little top of 28 degrees. Might be a beach day over here, Kano. What about Adelaide? Going to be a hot one? Uh, it's pretty muggy and pretty, it's been really hot here, uh, but I don't think it's hot today. Probably 28, 30. Beautifully Standard. done. Standard. You can live with that. Standard Adelaide. Back after this on summer break. Tom Stewart before mm. Tom Stewart was Tom Stewart, if you know what I mean. Breakfast on SEN. The way coaches speak to players in modern football, Kane, uh, you addressed earlier. Brendan Bolton, something Collingwood put out yesterday. It was addressing a Jordan Degoe piece of play, well, I'm assuming from last season or in training? No, just in training. Yeah, yeah right. from a centre bounce in match play at training. Um, and it was a really good insight. Well, I think we've got the audio. Let's have a listen to, to Brendan Bolton just um, pumping up Jordan Degoe's tyres. We, we celebrate team and role, all that a lot in here. Why? Why? Role, system. Why? Talk wins games. Talk wins games. The other thing we don't want to miss though, within that, sometimes when you, because the whole role and system holds us together, sometimes there's just, you know, Nick, I heard you train the house down today, Geordie, your playmakers, and I don't want to just put a spotlight on you two, um, but we forget we've got high talent in here with it. And Geordie, this is just one of you, mate. Um, the coach spoke about we've got to show this. This is pretty special, mate. We're lucky to have you. Just want to make sure you know you appreciate it. All right, and then again, just to finish, there's a little bit of connection between you and Pendles getting each other in layers here. And then you feed him again. We're lucky to have some players like you, mate. Well done. All right. So, so is that the combination, role, system, and high-end talent? So 22, 23 players that know exactly what their yeah. role is Clarity and play it. Mm. There's a system that they play to in terms of the way that the side and the coaches want them to play, and everyone knows that. But without the third bit, it probably doesn't mean that much. You still need the high-end talent to do what Dugowie did in that clip, and that is to win a big centre bounce, draw two opponents into him, which releases the others on the outside, gives them time and space to deliver inside forward 50. So, uh, it's just, I mean, you just get little insights from mm-hmm. time to time and clubs are so good at releasing um, vision and inside access that we never, ever used to get. But the three pillars there that Brendan spoke about, role, system, and then the third, and, and perhaps, well, they're all important, but this is what you got the draft for and this is why uh, high draft picks are so important, that high-end talent that... 
Collingwood clearly have and, and clearly drove them to a premiership. I reckon you nailed it. And the system probably has to adapt and evolve over time too as other teams catch up and evolve. And you can get the jump on your eyes. Quite fascinating. Hard for us to measure from the outside though. Hey, after the news, let's hear from Jason Kelsey who spoke about meeting Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift was upstage for once. Her brother, brother-in-law potentially just gets the kid off if you don't mind. So we'll hear from him. Uh, We'll straighten up as well on some more media topics. Stick around. Nathan's got the news. Breakfast on SEN. Welcome back and welcome in. If you're joining us just for the first time, SEN Summer Breakfast on this Thursday morning, 25th day of January. Sam Edmund with you. Kane Corns alongside me in the McCafe menu. Our official coffee partners, a pretty hectic one today, and we're lucky to have it. Jared Waitley will preview the second test with us, Australia in the Windies pink ball style at the Gabba later on today. Danny Daly, one of our favourites, Brisbane general manager of football, just to check in with how things are shaping up at the Gabba. Aaron Sipos, former Philly Eagles punter in the countdown to the Super Bowl. Brett Phillips with an Australian Open update. And maybe time for a couple of questions without notice as well. If you want to join us today, one 736 736 Been a busy first hour, but a couple of topics have been on your mind, uh, Kane, for this morning out of 7 o'clock. And one of them, if you're happy to stay there, is the coach of the Adelaide Football Club in the form of Matthew Nix, if that's where you wanted to start. I know it's yeah, something well, you've been monitoring. Well, we're going to speak about Michael Pell and, and the update on the yep. investigation into the, the umpire with the Brownlow betting scandal shortly. Um and you can, you can do that. I just thought it was interesting. I read in the Adelaide advertiser, because we've discussed this about when is the right time to extend your coach and would you do it now? And in particular, I've got my eyes focused on Fremantle and Adelaide. We we know uh, you've brought us the news about Michael Voss and, and that will happen before round one. You would think, and that would be the right call. But uh, Matthew Nix's contract talks have been delayed and I just wonder whether it's a tactic from the Adelaide Football Club to buy themselves some time because maybe they're not sure. And and this is, I think, the right thing to do. Adelaide having to prioritise its Thebiton project has helped delay a contract extension for coach Matthew Explain Nicks. that. Well, that's Explain just an that. excuse. Explain well, they're, they're, that. They're trying to set up their new base at Thebiton. There's been a whole heap of drama about where Adelaide would relocate Two, they wanted to be in the city that was knocked back by the residents in North Adelaide uh, because it would sort of decimate the parklands and that was uh, knocked back. So they're going to move to Thebiton. But once again, there's been dramas with residents and all sorts of things trying to get this up. But surely that doesn't delay a coaching extension. I mean, these are high-profile, high-powered people on a board who can Mm. do two things at once. This drama around their base has been simmering for years and you're not going to suggest that that has delayed Matthew Nix's contract extension. So the Crows, according to the advertiser, are still expected to give Nix a new deal in the first, sorry, the next few months, but it may not happen until after the season starts. So, so okay, so we're, we're, I guess we're philosophically opposed on this sort of issue, which is fun because it's good to have the debate with you. And we had it about this very man only pre-Christmas. Yeah. And I thought he'd done enough to earn one now. And your uh, line of thinking was, well, why, why now? I mean, what, what harm is there? What's the in, point? Yeah. And my thing was, well, it's the right thing to do. So you just look after your people. You bring them in. You don't expose them to things you don't need to expose them to. If you think he is the man, then there is no reason to wait. Now, if they are going to wait, and this is an excuse. Well, if they you, don't think he's the well, man. It, my, no, what, and is what, this... My, 
Yeah, my question to that. you is, is this highlight, highlighting that they aren't quite sure? That's yet? my point. Yeah, yeah so that, that's my point here because th- don't give me the excuse that, well, we can't recontract Matthew Nix now because our priorities are on Thebiton. I mean, I think you can do two things at once with how many people are on the board. Now, they've suggested that contract is that they're going to ramp up talks when Tim Silvers comes back to work after leave. He's the CEO. I'm just not buying it. It says to me and this that they're not sure and they're willing to wait a little bit longer to see how the first portion of the year plays out. Personally, I think that's the right call, but don't give us the excuse that we can't recontract the coach because we're focused on our facilities. You can do... You can do two things at once. Um, so a bit more transparency would have been mm. nice. Well, it's Look, quite, I, I'm they're, a, I'm they're a, climbing, aren't they? They're, they're climbing. Three no, wins. I'm a fan. I, had, I thought they'd play finals last year, yeah. and, and they should they should have played finals last year. They took some big scalps um, last year. Everything you'd want from a rebuild is tracking in the right direction, but that doesn't mean anything. When we saw Fremantle, you would have thought would have played off in a prelim final with the way that they were tracking last year, and it doesn't. Everyone gets – a lot of teams get better – it's more competitive. But so hang on. So how long do you wait though? So do you say, oh, what are you going to well, learn in five games that you don't? Halfway point of the year half. Is, the, is the perfect. That's a fair. Well, that's a big no Thebiton project. Steal, no one can. <laughs> but is there going to be steel delays at all well, sorts another, of foundation? Not going to come along and snatch Matthew Nix now. You've got him in contract. Is there a termite a issue season? out at Thebiton that requires oh, more exactly. attention? So it's just interesting the tactics and I guess the media messages that uh, clubs try and send. It says to me they're just not certain, and that's fine. Yeah, look, and this is a text from 423. No one is poaching Nick's. No need to rush in. That's not the point, though. You look after your people. It's the right thing to do. You if he is the, the man, stability. it gives everyone stability. Gives everyone stability. Gives the coach stability, the players stability, the club stability. They don't know if he's the right. Well, that's a different. Not to know, but they should know. They should know. Is my is my feel because how could you possibly have a win loss? And he he hasn't had the win loss that would make you absolutely confident that he's the guy. No, you think there's still grey there? Yeah, well, we've seen what the Giants have done. I mean, you can have the instant, all right, bang, we're on mm. here. I don't think Adelaide have given us, oh, this, this really? is the guy. No. Really? No? Well, they haven't played finals like, under Matthew Nix. Well, they should well, have done, and they pushed the Premier twice, twice to within a point or two. I think they played some amazing football last year and had done enough. Not only eight teams out of 18 can play finals, and they're coming from a long way back. Now, maybe I'm more forgiving than some people, but I think if you're looking at the chart and the needle, the needle keeps going up. So mm. you back him, don't you? Mm. Uh, yeah, I'd wait. I'd wait to the halfway point. Uh, a big game, I've got to tell you, their first game is against Gold Coast on March 16. Mm. That's a huge – I know Gold yep. Coast play opening round, but that that's a, that is a big game. Yeah, looking forward to that. So we touched on this earlier with Michael Pell. He's the former uh, field umpire who was arrested very, very publicly – by Victoria Police, some 15, coming up on 15 months ago now, um, for suspicious Brownlow betting activity specifically. And we won't get bogged down in this too much because it is dry, the nitty-gritty, but he's being investigated for the criminal offence of the use of corrupt conduct information for betting purposes. But as every week and every month goes by, Kane, I reckon it's looking more and more likely that Victoria Police are going to end up with some serious explaining to do 
for this very public arrest of an umpire in relation to allegations that he engaged in conduct that corrupts or would corrupt a betting outcome. And that was November 14. Still no charges the year before. Still no charges laid by detectives from this state's Sports Integrity Intelligence Unit. Now, we've spoken in here on SEN a lot about how Victoria and other states treat the passing on of information differently because the accusation isn't that Michael Pell influenced the outcome of a sporting event per se, Mm. rather that he passed on information that he had inside knowledge of. So people who do that in New South Wales to influence betting outcomes, that's a criminal act. But here in Victoria, we only criminalise betting or communicating information to betters of corrupt conduct information. So that's what you might call passive inside information. And it's not covered in Victoria's offences. So that's, you know, that's mum passing on something to dad that oh, I think um, little Johnny's going to play forward this weekend. This is a bit dad, bigger than that, though. It, well, no, it's not. In the in the, the way it's written in the legislation is, is it's not. Now, the Legislative Assembly transcript reads... Um, because this corrupt conduct law was introduced to Victoria in, in, I think, 2013, and this was the debate at the time. And it says here in that uh, Assembly transcript, the government assures us that this bill is not intended to criminalise red-hot tips or instances where a parent or a friend bets on an outcome using information about game day tactics they obtained from a player. So that's the Victorian Crimes Act, Section 195F. I said I wasn't going to get specific. So it's emerged this week that a report commissioned by the Australian government in 2017 into Australian sports integrity arrangements um, says in one section, um, the communication and use of inside information is not an offence in the Victorian legislation. And it goes on to say, even among jurisdictions that have enacted specific criminal provisions, there remain notable variations in those provisions. For instance, whereas the ACT, New South Wales, Northern Territory, Queensland and South Australia criminalise betting with inside information, Victoria does not. So here, police have to prove that Mm. the sharing of inside information resulted in the corruption of the outcome of that year's Brownlow medal. And AFL Chief Executive now, Andrew Dillon, said last year that the outcome of the Brownlow had not been impacted by the allegations made against Pell. So it it looks as though it's going to be something that police aren't going to be able to stick. And it's been going... 15 months and counting now for this guy who who resigned for mental health reasons, has had his, obviously, his umpire career torched. Um, And it doesn't appear as though criminally... The legal side of things, and and you explained it pretty well. What about from the AFL rules perspective, though? Like in terms of their expectation of umpires and guarding that information. Yeah. Do you think that's been been breached? He he wasn't terminated. He wasn't sacked. He retired or he resigned for me. Would he have been? I can't answer that. I mean, I don't think he's broken any laws as that have written. No no, no AFL laws. Not that I'm aware of. Not that the AFL AFL has ever stated. On how strict they are with guarding that. And pretty much the entire umpiring fraternity has been interviewed by police. And Mm. to a man, they have said that Pell is innocent of any improper conduct. So now police are pursuing the sharing of Information Avenue and they haven't been able to make it stick. And I think police always thought they would find the smoking gun. They would find the text message. They would find the WhatsApp group. They would find another umpire who would corroborate things and they couldn't. So, look, the truth is there, obviously, somewhere. Mm. Maybe it's greyer than what I'm making out. But as far as the way the legislation is written, there's more and more evidence coming out that it's going to be hard for criminal charges to be laid. And he has always denied any wrongdoing? Uh, on the record, I don't think he said anything. Mm. Um, it's, I read in the uh, in the Herald Sun today that he is, is uh, Mr. Pearl has not been charged with any offence and has denied any wrongdoing. 
Um, there's an article on that. Anti-gambling advocate Tim Costello mm. has demanded that the AFL and sports betting companies ban wagering on the league's yeah. annual best and fairest. The round-by-round betting. Yeah, yeah, the round-by-round betting um, uh, Tim Costello has been against for a long, long time. But um, anyway, I know the AFL released a statement, I think, to the Herald Sun yesterday around uh, that, that that's now capped, round-by-round betting. Um, anyway, it's a it's a, it's a slippery slope. Well, it's messy. Yeah, messy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, should we talk some cricket as well? Yeah, why not? Well, Steve Smith, second test. He's going to start today. Um, It's green. It's green, and he hasn't made any runs opening the batting just yet. So he needs to make some runs. This is just uh, Steve Smith on uh, his urge to uh, to hit the scoreboard in the second test against the Windy starting today at the Gabba. You know, I've had a couple of nice balls um, that have sort of just gone away from me but didn't look like they were going away from me, which has drawn me in, I suppose. As a curious, isn't it? They've gone away from it. They haven't looked like they have, but they've drawn him in. And he has copped a couple of good ones there. So uh, he'll get another chance maybe well, today. it's an important test match for him. I've, yeah, he needs a half century, you would think. Conditions will be tricky, but we're playing against the West Indies, for goodness sake. So mm. I think um, for them to be justified in this decision and for everyone just to take a big, deep breath and go, okay, this was the right thing to do. Um, he needs to look like Steve Smith and, and needs to make a, a reasonable score He's not alone. There's some others, particularly in our top six, that didn't perform in Adelaide and sort of was papered over by what Travis Head had done. But he's one of them, and he needs to look at his fluent best because he just hasn't looked that all summer, yeah. regardless of where he's batted. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how it goes today. Pink ball, uh, course, and whether the Windies can fulfil their end of the bargain, actually, and, and bat for a period of time that would have this test uh, last more than a few days. Although Mother Nature might have something to say about that as well. For I think days three, four, and five, still looking a bit dicey on the Bureau as well. But Jared Waitley will bring us up to speed with uh, how things are looking up in Brisbane. Uh, on the other side of this break, I want to talk to you about Warren Treadray, Bruce Abernathy, the Port Adelaide board fight. I did read board a statement. Wars. I did read Warren Treadray's pitch as well. Yes. What a vote for him would mean. Compelling, um, did it? Um, that makes him, it's pretty straight up and down, isn't it? But it's mm. probably worth reading at a few points. He he doesn't go nuclear in this statement by any stretch of the imagination, but at the same time makes it clear the difference he thinks he can make. So it's only one, um, two go into one trying, basically. So Bruce yeah. Abernathy, Warren Treadray, and um, we did try to get the Roach on because he's been right across this all the way oh, the through. Roach is, Roach is sunning himself in Italy somewhere. Ah. We, we, we couldn't get him because he's, he's overseas. And I'm not sure he's got global roaming on. But, yeah, I want to speak about board wars as well. And we touched on Taylor Swift and what an event oh. this is going to be at the Super Bowl for our man Brooksy. If the Chiefs get through, um, Jason Kelsey, brother of Travis, um, was uh, very entertaining in the last round. He's actually spoken on his podcast. So I just want to have a listen to that on, on the other side uh, as well. Let's, let's, play it. let's play it now. Okay. Play it now. Let, okay. Let's play it into the break. This is Jason Kelsey, brother of Travis, uh, potentially brother-in-law uh, of Taylor yep. Swift after their meeting. And uh, Jason got the old uh, kid off. I'm not going to lie. I gave Kylie a heads up. The moment we got into the suite, I said, I'm <laughs> taking my shirt off and I'm jumping out of that suite. And she said, Jason, right. don't you dare. I was like, hey, it's letting you know what's happening. I'm not asking for permission. I'm doing this. Once a Kelsey man's determined, there's no f- stopping him. And she was already telling me to be on my best behavior because we were meeting Taylor. This is hilarious. I was like, Kylie, when I met you, the first day I met you, I was blacked out drunk and fell asleep <laughs> at the bar. This is part of the charm. This is part of the Jason Kelsey charm. I want to make my best first impression. This is my best chance. My best first impression is the worst impression ever. So I, I, I could just build Set from that, that point. Nice on. Yeah, exactly. 
Jason Kelsey there. Uh, we'll straighten up again after the break, I promise. Yeah, so let, let's de- let's drill into your football club, Kane. What's going on in this fight for a board uh, position? Warren Treadrow, Bruce Abernathy, and plenty more footy and cricket topics on the other side. Breakfast on SEN. Well, SEN's very own Michelangelo Rucci wrote a story uh, back in uh, back earlier this month, January the 9th, and the headline was Inside Port Adelaide's Bruising Board Battle, and it uh, pits one of the greatest names in Port Adelaide's history, Warren Treadray, against another big name in your part of the world, Kane, Bruce Abernathy. There's a seat up for grabs. Warren has been critical of the current uh, administration for some time at Port Adelaide, certainly highly critical of the coach Ken Hinckley and his hold on the job. He wants a seat on the board, so does Bruce Abernathy, and they've made their pitch, and this is just getting very, very interesting over there at the moment. It is, yeah. I I find it fascinating because of of Warren's public comments around the club and um, his thought that the club would be better off without Ken Hinckley and, and his comments that it was untenable after round three last year. And then he, he stood by those comments that there is a lot of bad blood between Warren and the players and the coach. So I just think it would be an interesting situation if he walks in. And, and look, I think he will get voted in uh, by the fans because there's a lot of public support for a section of disgruntled Port Adelaide fans who who want change and, and think that Warren will be able to provide that. Um, so if he if and when he does get up and get voted in, how that dynamic will work between mm. um, a, a former player that um, a lot of the players, the current players don't have a lot of time for now, nor do the, the coaches and the coach. And he's also been highly critical of Matthew Richardson, the CEO, and David Kosh as well. So how would the yeah, chairman get along? How it would be peak awkwardness, would it not? If he was that's what they, well, that that's what fascinates me behind it. I always when former players put their hand up to go on the board, it's like oh, that, that, that's good and it's nostalgic and it's romantic a little bit and it's good to get a great name back. My my second thought is always okay. What what skill set do they bring? Are they being really successful in business? Have they got high football IQ to be able to you know have a look at the football program and see how it works? What is it that they are going to bring? That's that's what I always that's what I always think. And and the other problem for for Warren, he's been you know, highly critical of of Mark Masciuto in the past for you know, having a conflict of interest with his role in the media and also his role at Adelaide. So Warren is is working in the media. How that would then work off the back of his comments and his criticism over over Mark Masciuto. But anyway, can we can we have a listen because both of them were on Five mm. AA. Firstly. Here is Warren Treadray. The the vote is open for members uh, for the the board seat, and here is what he had to say last night. The reality is, I bring AFL Premier success with Port. I've been loyal with my club. I'm stepping up to help. I've got fresh eyes. I've shown leadership in the past. I think I'm honest. I've got in absolute integrity, and I'm someone who's willing to ask the tough questions, no matter how hard it is. And Port Adelaide, from day dot, has always been about. You see something, you say something. And for me, I want to help our footy department win our next premiership. Mm-hmm. And then there was the thought that uh, Bruce Abernathy was David Kosh's choice. And after Warren put his hand up to go on there, that uh, Koshy went and got Bruce to, to, to run <laughs> against him. Now, yeah. Michelangelo in his column said that wasn't the case and Bruce was always going to run. Let's have a listen to uh, Bruce Abernathy, who's also a Port Adelaide legend who's up against Warren. 
<laughs> I'm above him on the ballot <laughs> where the draw came out like that. Look, I've got experience. I, I want to uh, get in there again. I've, I've had the, the football knowledge off the field in terms of the media, et cetera, et cetera. And the reality is I've been there before in some pretty tough times. It'd be nice to, to go back and, and, and approach it now where we're in a far better profitable uh, situation in terms of the club's assets and, and its future. And that, you know, you, you always look at things a whole lot better and a whole lot brighter eyed when you've got some money in the bank than when you still owe the bank your mortgage. Yep, 302 games across a number of clubs, but seven-time Port Adelaide Premiership player uh, spanning a long career, wasn't it? 79 through to 92. In, in terms of what they offer, though, so he released a statement also, Warren Treadray, and he said he would bring um, a motivating and more courageous brand of decision-making. As someone who was involved from starting out in our club's AFL journey in 97, I have much to offer our women's AFLW program, who started out on their own, path against the odds building a new team in the national competition i'm bullish enough to ask the hard questions and feel i'm suited for this role a vote for me is a vote for pafc afl and aflw premiership success leadership honesty integrity loyalty and a fresh set of eyes mm. so yeah the votes are open i'm not exactly i'll check when they're when that will be decided i suspect warren uh, will get up but it's just as at a as an onlooker completely outside and completely removed albeit having relationships there and, and knowing the angst between Ken Hinckley and Warren and the players and Warren and the assistant coaches and Warren. And, and I and it takes some smoothing over. Yeah, oh. it would. So I don't know. I, I, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe, maybe the bit of awkwardness is, is mm. good, but it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's definitely going to be awkward if he, if he gets up. Yeah, indeed. And Ken now contracted, of course, and through until the end of 2025. Uh, so that's all done and dusted well as well on paper anyway. Um, that's where that sits. Uh, we're not far away from the news headlines with Nathan Gardner. Our first um, a cafe menu guest today is going to be Aaron Sipos. He's going to join us uh, out of the 7.30 news. Former NFL punder has been on his own uh, journey, of course. But we count down to the Super Bowl that uh, Brooksy's going to be attending we better get the thoughts of uh, Aaron Sipos and uh, how the playoffs have been faring. So um, give us your thoughts on that. We'll talk all things NFL in a moment. Jared Waitley is going to join us as well. Danny Daly, Brett Phillips with an interesting day at the Australian Open yesterday, and he'll cast forward with us as well. Time for some questions without notice. But we'll jump into the newsroom. A reminder, though, the Toyota Caller of the Year is back. It starts next Monday. And that is your very first chance to go into the draw to win a 2024 Toyota Hilux GR Sport. There's Toyota Hilux stock available now. Just contact your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, yes, it does start today. Steve Smith's going to be there. He's going to be open the batting. Cam Green will be there, but he's got COVID. The coach, Andrew McDonald, will be there. He's got COVID as well. Travis Head out of the protocols. He will certainly be there. The ODI squad's been named as well. We'll dissect that a little bit later on in the show. Lee, ask the question, Kane. I'm just going to throw it out there. It's uh, You can answer this or not answer it because it's your personal business. But he asks, who's Kane voting for? He has an opinion on everything, including most. Um, uh, who are you going to vote for in the, yeah, in the board position? I've never voted before, ever. Um, and I just got I got the ballot sent to me. Um, so I don't, I don't know... Yet I don't know whether I'll vote firstly because it's not something I've ever done yeah. before, and I haven't fully decided. Um, Who gets yet. to vote? Uh, every members. every member. member. You had to be a member last year though, so you can't just sign on. Yeah, yeah. 
Stephen Rowe did on Five Below. He said, oh, I'm signing up as a port member so I can vote for Treaders. Yeah, yeah. That, that won't wash. You had to be a, a, a full paid-up member last year for last year's season. For yeah, indeed. Okay. All right. We'll monitor that one, though. It's interesting. Always can get a little bit interesting when it comes to uh, the board. You know, Tom Brady's coming. Just quickly, Tom Brady's coming to town yeah. uh, for a number of – well, how many shows? I don't think it's that many. It might be one or two at Crank Casino here in, uh, in Melbourne. There is a chance. I think there's a link with Carlton somehow. This is one to watch. I'm not saying – Anything's going to happen, but I think the Blues have been working behind the scenes to potentially get Tom to address the playing group, which no would be way. some sort of a coup. I think high up at Carlton, there's a, a, a number of connections and links there. Anyway, it might not happen, of course, because these things are, are so hard to orchestrate. They've got a way of falling over. But there's an expectation that, or a confidence or a hope that they can get Tom Brady in the building or the players you to know him. he charges yeah. 200000 US an hour. Well, I saw the Australian Open. They tried to get him courtside, and they got told. 200000 US an hour. For the tennis, to come and the watch tennis. the tennis. So good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah, well, mate, as I said. Come on, do you reckon he'll come on SEN? Well, he's been on SEN. Is that right? Jared Whaley's interviewed Tom Brady before. Is that right? They all come for Jared. I'm telling you. One-on-one. We'll play some of it later on. Maybe we'll pick the best bit out. What do you reckon he opened with, with yeah, Tom Brady? Everyone knows who you are, man. Yeah, that's it. And they got, I don't think we paid 200000 No, of course we didn't. That was amazing. Yes, and it was. It was a good show. Um, so, no, he's, he's done SEM. We've done that. Um, but uh, the Blues may or may not uh, get access to him. It would be – they'd be hanging off every word, wouldn't they? The NFL-obsessed players. They would just be, be – they'd be hey, awestruck. Um, we touched on Josh Weddle yesterday and, and uh, my thoughts and others on, on him and where he may get to – I was thinking yesterday, who at your club who would now be considered, I don't know, outside the top 50 in the AFL, like a young player who hasn't yet arrived but has the potential to one day be a top 10 player? Who, who is it at your in club? In the comp. On? Oh, that's yeah. a good so yeah, you mentioned him. You mentioned Filippo yesterday. I thought, yeah, that's a really good He's absolutely got potential to be a top 20 mm. player in, in the league. Uh, De Koning we touched on. Sam Darcy, um, I think, absolutely in time has, has potential to do that. Uh, you, the hype meter on Riley Sanders, oh. can he can he get there? Nate Caddy's taken hangers. That's first it. preseason. So who at your club do you have your eye on that hasn't yet arrived but has the potential to be a top 10, top 15 player like we touched on with Weddle yesterday? Who are you really excited about? There's a heap at North, you would think. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, yeah. Few, keep the so. You guys know your clubs better than anyone. So who do you like on the list that's going to catapult in the a top ten player in the competition uh, in the years to come? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Carlton trying to get Tom Brady in to address the players. We said this was the interview Tom Brady gave to Jared Whaley here on SCN. Just a little bit of it, Kane. This was six years ago. He was asked what what made what motivates. Jared asks, what motivates you to keep playing? This was back in 2018. Tom Brady, welcome to 1116 SEN. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You know, I've invested a lot of time and energy um, in feeling my best and in all the preparations I need in the offseason as well as during the season to, you know, be an older athlete at 41 and still compete with the best football players in the world. So I, that's really important to me. It's something I take you know, a lot of, uh, not necessarily pride, it's just I take a lot of um, enjoyment in that process. And that's, that's a continual motivating, motivating factor for me. And I think he said later in the interview that there's a chance he'll fit under Carlton soft cap as well, just as some sort of <laughs> special What did Carlton discussion? get everyone, all the famous people? 
Powerful connections, mate. When you, <laughs> powerful connections at the top of that football club. No, who's I, I the think... interview? Who's the interview for you? That you, you want one person oh. you could interview. Take your pick from 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 any sporting figure around okay. the world. Oh, geez, question without notice. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have a, have a think about it then. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to have Michael Jordan in the studio. How good would that be? Yeah, that's a that's good. I'd love to have MJ in, and he's done a bit more of late, but it'd been. Well, he'd been borderline recluse for a while, mm. certainly from a media perspective anyway. But um, I know since the documentary, there's been a few things done. And the Australian story uh, had access to him for the Luke Longley uh, double uh, episode, which was great. What about you? Have you got some? Yeah, I think it would be NBA related. Uh, one of the one of the big NBA players, Steph Curry or one of the really famous either current or former NBA players. I'd have to have a bit of a think about it. Um, Did your old man not push record on a famous interview? He had to sit down with Lance Armstrong when Lance was at the peak of his powers when no one knew. Well, there were suspicions, Mm. but no one knew at the time. And he's gone to do the interview. (laughs) Done the interview. It's gone great. Loved it. Got a lot of gold. Spent an hour with him and his people. Got back to the studio and they've gone to sort of cut it up for that night's sports show with, with him and Rowie, I think it was. And uh-huh. he's hit playback and he, he forgot to hit the record button. Oh, and missed, press the button, so mate. Sat down with Lance for an hour and forgot to press record. He would be good if he came in and was willing to completely <laughs> no, open up again. Well, now. now, yeah, now. But, I mean, he sort of said everything. For the people, there's a bit of mistake about that. You don't know things about. That's why Dustin Martin never wants yeah. to speak to him. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like Lance has sort of revealed it all now. There's been books and documentaries about him. We need to get to a break, but is that just the single most fascinating story in all of world sport? I reckon, I reckon that still takes some beating. Lance Armstrong Incredible cheated his story. way to seven it Tour de France titles incredibly under in, in broad daylight, basically. Uh, 40 weeks temper, 04-3398-11-16. On the other side, Aaron Sipos is going to join us talk all things NFL. Breakfast on SEN. Well, we're down to the conference championships in the NFL. Four teams left in the race to feature in Super Bowl 58 at Las Vegas' Allegiant Stadium. 12 months ago, this man was involved in one of the world's biggest annual sporting events with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's Aaron Sipos. Aaron, welcome to you. Thanks for having me, boys. That's a life left behind for now. We'll, we'll circle back to that in a moment. I want to talk just firstly about our life's going at Hawthorne when you, where you started as a development coach or just pre-Christmas. Yeah, it's been, it's been awesome actually. They're um, a great group of young fellas and um, experienced coaches, which has um, really helped me uh, be able to develop as quick as I possibly can from a coaching point of view and um, being able to help the younger boys um, adjust to it all. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's a very exciting time here. Did you think it would always be coaching for you? Yeah, always. You know, I always wanted to get back in football um, after everything was done over there in America, and um, that's where you know I definitely saw myself, and um, the opportunity came up, and um, yeah, very excited by it all. We've all been impressed by the way the Hawks have sort of turned the list over and the youngsters that they have introduced. You feel like you've got there at the right time. Yeah, I feel like I have. Uh, the boys flying around right now is just exciting, and um, you know we're obviously in the stage now where we're. Um, you know, looking into a phase where we're, we're definitely wanting to progress very well and and then start to climb up the ladder a little bit more too, which is good. So I'm excited for what the future holds for, for the boys. Do you find yourself making comparisons all the time about what you left behind over there and what you found here? And are you 
able to, I don't know, mesh the two worlds together? Have you been able to bring anything in yet, Aaron, or is it too early in the piece? Uh, I think I just, um, I guess from a from a kicking point of view for me and understanding the, the different styles and that, but also being able to help the boys just work on the goal kicking side of things is something that I can bring in straight away. Um, there's, a long, there's a lot of things that I learned over there just uh, mechanics-wise and um, different variations that I think I can bring over here too. But, um, you know, at the same time, still trying to learn the craft and um, work on my coaching side of things too. So um, there's a lot to look forward to for sure. What's the biggest mistake players make with their goal kicking? Uh, well, one, it's probably it's probably the one um, part of the game where you have the time to think about what kick you're trying to do in, in the end, isn't it? So that you know those thirty seconds actually think about what you're doing and and things like that is um, obviously a bit of a difference. So me being able to try and help them with that a little bit and just think clearly and um, you know basically just say that not much really has to change. Um, it's just all about your execution and what you're doing um, when, you, when you're kicking, um, you know, in field play. So um, if I can, you know, basically just try and clear their minds up and, um, you know, make them think more confidently in front of goal and that, then I feel like I'm, I'm starting to make progress and we can start to excel a little bit more. What about the, the programs that we run? I mean, so much more resources and wealth in, in the NFL, but comparing that to the programs that we run here, are we doing a lot of things well and a lot of things right, considering the differences in resources? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think from a development phase is is a is a huge difference um, for what we do really well. I mean, in the NFL, it's basically you got to be ready to go out there and perform and um, and, and get to it. Otherwise, you, you put yourself in a compromised position. Um, whereas here, you know, we, we give the chance to young guys and and that to be able to continue the development and um, understand the game, understand how their body works and, and things like that. And, and um, that's a that's a real good part about. Um, what the AFL does for sure. Better get your thoughts on the conference games this weekend, Aaron. Ravens, Chiefs, Niners, Lions. Uh, I'm I'm going to be going for the Ravens. Um, yeah, I just I think I think they've been a really good touch, and I'd love to be able to see them get in. Um, and then um, my my sneak is is the Lions might actually hopefully get the job done, especially if uh, Debo Samuel can't get up to play. I think that's a huge difference and. Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm banking in on a, on a Ravens Lions uh, Super Bowl. Have you made peace with how it ended for you? I mean, it's so brutal, and we see that, and we we saw that again with the the Bills uh, field goal kicker who missed and had to deactivate his social media and all of that, and the cutthroat nature of it. For you personally, have you have you made peace with the way that it ended? Um, I'm I'm still adjusting to it all, but I'm certainly making progress um, with how everything kind of ended, and um, I think if I think if I don't do that, then I'm just going to kind of um, continue to eat it up. And then, not, you know, so I've, I've definitely made progress with it all, which is um, something I definitely needed to do. And, um, yeah, I'm very content with, with how everything's kind of panned out. And obviously you'd love to be able to do it a little bit longer and, and things like that, but it doesn't work out that way. But, um, you know, I'm very fortunate with the position that I'm in now. The Players Association here in our game they do a great job of, of trying to look after former players is there anything set up like that in the nfl uh there is yeah they do a really good job in terms of um you know looking after their players um the nflpa does a great job there and um yeah certainly certainly very similar stuff to be able to look after you when um you know football's all done 
Hey, Aaron, you're going to be down at the Sporting Globe uh, to watch the conference championship games on Monday. I think you're going to be down there Monday morning and then they're going to do a great job down there. The Super Bowl obviously be showing at all Sporting Globes uh, around the state. So you're getting down there Monday morning to press the flesh? I am. I'll be down there for the NFC Championship game. So that's, uh, I believe that's a 10.30 start um, here. So I'll be down there. So uh, make sure everybody gets down there to, to watch a great game. I think it will be, yeah, the, the, the 49ers and um, and Detroit, and there'll be no better place to, to do it. So uh, make sure you get down there and have a look. And you touched on this, but just one last one before we let you go. Kane asked you about goal kicking. I suppose mechanics aside, the mentality and the pressure that goes with goal kicking in our game, which is obviously nothing compared to your old line of work, where you might only get one punt in a game and all you do is spend the week and the, the entire game thinking about your execution for that one punt. So what can you relate to, I guess, the guys at Hawthorne around just, you know, emptying the mind, if that's what it is, around keeping things nicely calm and composed and executing under as little pressure as possible? Yeah, I mean, it's just, um, I think it just comes with obviously the preparation to start off with. Mm. And, um, you know, we've definitely tried to emphasise it um, a lot more here, which is great. You know, there's, there's shots going up every day to make sure the boys are feeling confident going into game day. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, we obviously speak about routines and, and um, things like that. And it's just being able to hone in on that every single time. Um, you know, nothing needs to change from that aspect. And, you know, you continue to build confidence that way. It's just, um, it's just, it's just basically being able to repeat the same thing over and over again. It sounds boring yeah. and, and um, the things like that, but that's honestly what it takes to, to, um, to, to be the best at it. And we've got some really good ones here and um, hopefully we'll be able to show it later in the year. And the coach back on deck in a, full-time at this stage or still recovering sam's sam's been in the building which is good and it's um it's been exciting to have him around and that which is awesome and um yeah we're, we're excited to have him back um as a group and you know coming obviously the right time of the year to, to get going so um yeah we're all, all systems go here which is great aaron always great to have you on mate really appreciate your time as always Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Aaron Sibos there, former NFL punter turned development coach down at the Hawks, former Saint as well. Uh, and a reminder, get yourself along to the Sporting Globe. The conference championship games are on Monday. Obviously, the Super Bowl showing at all Sporting Globes around the state. That was a barista-made ice-cold coffee catch-up. You can drive through for your iced coffee favourites at McCafe today. Uh, Daryl, sit tight. I know you're there in Geelong. You might have a top 10 nomination for us. A lot of those have come through uh, Volcano. We'll address some of those on the other side. Stay with us. Breakfast on SEN. Welcome back. Uh, Daryl's been waiting very patiently down in Geelong, Kane, so we'll get to him. Dazza, welcome. Morning, gentlemen. Hey, uh, you were talking about uh, prospective uh, top 10 players, and uh, as a Blues fan, I can, uh, well, I agree with Kane and uh, Ollie Hollands, too. He's he, yeah, a super player. He showed great signs last year, and then I guess in the final against Melbourne, which I may have watched a good 30-plus times in the last few weeks. Uh, we had some yeah, massive moments and was just so important um, in getting them over the line. So, yeah, he's one I'm uh, uh, hanging on, uh, having a great year this year. Yeah, no, he's going to be a really important player for you. I don't think he's got top 10 potential, would be my view on I think there'd be some limitations in his game that's not going to get him to top 10 level, but he's going to be a really important sort of... We spoke about Collingwood. Role, system... 
high-end talent. Mm. He's a player that plays his role every week, knows the system. Does he have the absolute high-end talent? I would probably Maybe say not. no. Cool head, that. though, and a great runner. Oh, so yeah, fulfills his brief perfectly. Some of these names here, Adrian, Ollie Lord, huge potential. Bailey Humphreys come through at least a yep. dozen times up on the Gold Coast. Uh, Connor McDonald getting some love. Phil Finn Callahan says Paul is the next Bond. Only significantly faster. There's a combo for <laughs> you. <laughs> Wardlaw injury-free could be anything. His attack on the ball, crazy good. Thanks for those nominations. We'll be back on the other side of the news with Nathan Gunn. Breakfast on uh, Welcome back. We're going to talk some tennis with Brett Phillips here in just a short moment. Callum text in, late to the party, boys. Were well, you actually not Callum? I had this down to talk about earlier and it slipped through my grasp, but you've reminded me. You want to talk about the KFC medal as arguably the greatest slash worst design medal of all time. What are other horrible awards in sport? Now, for those who've been living under a rock, you know, let's let's compare this. So you can get a Norm Smith medal in the AFL. You can get a Clive Churchill medal in the NRL. Best player in an A-League grand final you bestowed with the Joe Marston medal as the best player in the BBL final as of last night. Spencer Johnson, come on down you get the KFC medal. The KFC medal. But unbelievably, it's got the kernel, uh, front and centre, of course, the full logo. The medal itself appears to be shaped like a bucket cane. I mean, would he be showing <laughs> that off proudly last night, it Spencer? It is disgraceful. <laughs> I, this slipped through me. It is an absolute disgrace. <laughs> if people think we're joking, uh, we're not. Does it, come with a, does it come with, with a, a bucket of, of the chicken? Colonel <laughs> Sanders on the what is, I thought my runners-up medallion for the 2007 Premiership was bad. This is all over this. You get a better medal for completing a marathon. Like You get a really good medal. It's a participation award. Yeah, isn't but it? for finishing the Sydney Marathon, you should see this thing. It spins around. It's gold. It's massive. We've got a couple of those. I would not want this. So are we taking it honestly? There's some things about the BBL that we just do not take seriously. Even the fact that it's on a Wednesday night. The yeah. final of the BBL is on a Wednesday night. We'll, we'll have we've to got, put this up. Flip. We've got to put this up on the socials. So this, it's shaped like a bucket, this little medal, and it has the Colonel's face and logo and then just KFC emblazoned underneath. I mean, does it at least have the recipe on the back? Like oh, the secret herbs just, and spice? I was just thinking, <laughs> Holy. surely like a nice watch for the, uh, you know, a nice, you know, special watch for the player of the match. Um, yeah, this this is this is disgraceful. <laughs> the KFC medal, uh, that is not bad. Yeah, the McDonald's medal at least would have been better. Our great friends here at SEN. Now, uh, Brett Phillips, what do they give away at the tennis these days? Just the the winner of the Australian Open gets just a wee bit more than a KFC medal, don't they? About three million bucks. <laughs> Just a few mil. <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, now, uh, Daniil Medvedev still in the run, running, of course. Should we start with him? This was a, well, this was a rugged one with Hubert Hercatch. Five sets, the afternoon session, went a tick over four hours. It's never never straightforward with Daniil. There's a lot, a lot going on in a Medvedev uh, match. I, I, I love him. I think, uh, I mean, he's always probably, you know, that mixture of hero, villain, doesn't mind playing the villain. He's quirky, high, highly intelligent place a different style but look yeah absolutely challenged yesterday I mean I think you'll rue you know her catch only converting I think it was five of 15 breakpoint opportunities you know really tight uh, match that you know a shot here or there uh, Medvedev I mean he, he may go down like Djokovic as one of the you know just one of the best defenders in the game 
it just makes it hard. I mean, you know, her catch had more firepower. It's interesting with numbers, isn't it, how you mm. assess them? I mean, he's hit more winners. Um, you know, he had the, the capacity to really dictate the court, but Medvedev defends so well. He's just frustrating. I mean, he just, you know, obviously returns from a long way back and, you know, he just found a way through some, you know, some quite tricky situations. And he's sort of been there and done that. So the value of having played clutch matches like that, you know, deep into a slam helps you uh, every time. And yeah, he's still alive, uh, Daniil. He's a, he's a, an intriguing character in the sport. Well, the biggest shock was Alcaraz, your oh, man, yeah. BP. What went wrong there? Yeah, just had an off night. I mean, look, taking nothing away from Severia, who, who played terrific tennis, and this is why he has been at the, the top of the game. Uh, I mean, his serving last night was uh, exemplary. Over 80% first serves in. So he didn't get look at too many second serves, Carlos. But, yeah, look, the unforced errors, uh, that was uncharacteristic. Um, you know, 6-1, first set gets away. You're two sets to love down. He energises the crowd in the third, you know, played some unbelievable passing, passing shots in that uh, third set tie break to get himself back and ends up with one break of serve in the ninth game of the fourth set that, you know, could have gone either way. But, yeah, it was just some loose games, uh, you know, shots that uh, he just he looked at it last night. What are you thinking, Carlos? Uh, so mm-hmm. he'll go away and dissect that. And, you know, we sort of forget um, as much as he is almost the finished product there's still so much growth in him at the age of 20 uh, to be expected so yeah execution last night yeah really let him down we love a fairy tale we love a giant killer we generally get one or both at the australian open this year it's diana yastremska in the women's draw bp i think uh the first qualifier and what is it 45 46 years to make a semi and she marches on yeah, brilliant. Um, I, you know, the, the tennis she's playing hopefully gives her the confidence that she belongs back up where she was. And that was uh, 21 in the world uh, back a few years ago. And yeah, love uh, love the game she's playing. You know, some genuine firepower there, but also some you know, good smart tennis uh, coach. Uh, he's right there. They've got a great relationship. He's extremely vocal. Uh, but that's where we get a great insight into the coaching. Um, how value the value of coaching mid match uh, just to. You know, see from a different lens, just identify maybe one weakness in an opposition player that you can expose. Maybe the player in the heat of battle can't quite see at the time. So, yeah, she's uh, she's a good story, Yastrzemska. And obviously there's the extra layer of uh, everything going on that we've discussed uh, before. And, mm. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Zheng last night, brilliant. Uh, I mean, she hasn't beaten a top 50 player yet through the tournament, but sometimes you get these sort of rides through. But take nothing away from her. She's going to be a real star. And she had to fight back from a set down and, and she showed us why she is a player that is going to be hanging around the pointy end. I wanted to ask you about the doubles and Maddie Ebden's match. What happened there? Did the court, the court started, uh, what, what would you say, bubbling or something? Yeah, it sort of blistered, got some bubbles. Uh, they, I think were three games in, he and uh, Rohan Bapana and they had to swap them to Margaret Court Arena. Yeah, we, I, I can't remember seeing that before mm. at Melbourne Park. Uh, obviously, they you know they relay the courts every year and do a lot of work in the preparation before. But yeah, we had a, what, a hot day the day before, and yeah, it just obviously got to a stage uneven bounces, wasn't playable. And then Maddie and Rohan went in. Actually, they came up to where I um, host the big screens, and we had a chat for five minutes. Uh, brilliant. I mean, Rohan Bapana is going to be the world number one doubles player at the age of 43. So I said to him, well, mate, you look like you could play for 10 years. And he said, well, yeah, I'll need a, probably two massages a day. That, that'll get me through this year. I'm, I'm not going looking too far ahead. But he said, well, why would I stop? You know, I'm enjoying my tennis, love the lifestyle. And 
he and Matty Ebden have just uh, formed a, a formidable combination. So that yeah, if they can put the icing on the cake, I mean, Matt's a mixed doubles champion at Melbourne Park. He's a Wimbledon doubles champion. You know, 36 years of age, he's uh, playing, you know, the best tennis of his life. Yeah, I mean, geez, we've had hotter days, though, haven't we? But well and truly had reporters trying to fry eggs yeah. on the outside courts for years down there, and then she blisters yesterday. So it's quite strange. Um, I wanted to ask you about Leighton Hewitt's bronze bust as well. Were you satisfied with that, BP? Was it the right pose, the right look, the right reflection of the man? Had to be the cap backwards, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was... Uh synonymous with Leighton uh, right throughout his career. Now to get uh, it scrubbed up uh, pretty well. And gee, uh, I tell you what, Cruz has put on a few inches when they were posing for the family photo with Beck and, and co. Uh, and uh, he's going to out, uh, outdo dad in the uh, the height stakes, whether he outdoes him in the, outdoes him in the tennis career. I'll we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, no, rightly honoured uh, last night. They do that really well every year, uh, Tennis Australia, honouring one of the great legends. And you look up at the stands and there's, you know, Rosewell and... Laver and Sedgman. Frank Sedgman in his 90s now. Yeah. I mean, he's still uh, a permanent fixture. You can go and have lunch with uh, Frank Akuyong. He'll, uh, he'll, he'll wax lyrical with you. And, yeah, they do that part of it really well. Blockbuster tonight, BP. You'll be in the booth. Savalanka and Whoa. Coco Goff. Who do you like here? Cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I was sort of maintain, Kane, what I've said about Coco. I just think, um, you know, she's ready, primed. I think she's really sure about her game. Had that one challenging match, which I think is good. To have, I mean, Sabalenka, I mean, she's barely spent over an hour on court. Not that that will be a disadvantage. She's seeing it well. Two players in great form. Um, I'm just worried about Sabalenka in semi-finals. Now, at some point, you're going to rectify that from experiences. Uh, but I just think Coco tonight maybe has the edge in what should be a, a cracker. A shame, mm. as we've said, it's not the final. Well, yeah, Zvera was absolutely amazing yesterday. If he can replicate that uh, another couple of times, he's going to take some serious stopping. Uh, BP, great to talk to you, mate. I'm sure we're in for another entertaining day down there at Melbourne Park. We'll do it again tomorrow. That'll be good. Good on you guys. Thank you. Brett Phillips joining us there. Zverev, just extraordinary. Um, Alcaraz mounted a mini charge, but uh, in the end, Kane, there was no escape for Alcaraz. And a rest for the men today. You think that favours Novak, doesn't it? I mean, everything just seems to fall in favour. Yeah. Off him, <laughs> he's played the the day session, so he's got the mm. extra rest today off to to recoup and get. Nah, but we can't yeah, we can't no get one, into him for no that one, because he was no he, beating him. He was getting attacked for too many night sessions. They give no, him the I'm day not, one I'm, that works I'm, out. I'm not getting stuck into him. I just it's all lining up for him again. Ah, the KFC medal looked like something given out at indoor cricket for taking a hat trick. <laughs> Richo doing all the presentations <laughs> on his own. Made it feel like a school principal right. handing out awards at assembly. That's cheers. We've got to level up the BBL, don't we? Like, if we're serious about it. Seriously. Get you can't... rid of the bat flip. Like that, that, like, that was good. A nice novelty when it first started. Right, time to toss a coin. Put the final on a Friday or Saturday night. And get a decent medal or a watch for the player of the match. You can't believe the KFC medal. I know you need sponsors and you need the corporate dollar, but you can't let that infiltrate the awards that are given out for something as prestigious as the best player in the grand final in the decider. Can you? Spencer Johnson, what do you reckon he'd rather? That KFC medal or the... $1.7 $1.7 million contract uh, uh, in the IPL. Unbelievable. Um, keep your texts going through. 0433981116. Just some of these other potential top tens around the comp mm. that you solicited uh, for Kane. Naziah, Wangani, Malira, absolute gun, killing it in the preseason. Smokey for all Australians, says Jim. Okay. Yeah, don't have him pegged as top ten. Mitch Owens, I reckon. He's got to, you've got to have Mitch him. Mitch Owens has some flaws. with Like, he's not... He's not polished 
Mitch Owens. Look, I love, I love him. I don't know if he's got top ten potential. Just a couple of warts in his game with his with his ball use, but you'd love him in your team. Cam Rayner, top ten potential. I reckon I know he's getting on a little bit now. Mm. Uh, we're going to speak to Danny Daly. We'll find mm. out about how, how his preseason is going, but I think there's star power and potential there. Melbourne just put up a clip of. Uh, uh, Christian Petrarca playing I a saw sort it. of short side of handball game. I and saw he's it. Burnt off. He ran too far. Tom McDonald. Too far. Burnt off another. <laughs> too far. That raw. That is the biggest weapon I think now today in football. Is that raw power and the ability to draw two opponents and then to break free from that and release a teammate like he did. Have a look at it. No, um, no, I watched it. Players I watched it. it with my kids last night. We watched it a few times. That's you can hear the other players yelling out too far. But how's the <laughs> power and pace? You know, he he lures them in, then boom, he's gone. Yeah. Uh, ball in one hand and he's away. All right. Uh, uh, sports bet's in our hands today, Kane, so we need to get to this. Breakfast on SEN. Well, a magnificent season headlined by an undefeated campaign at the Gabba took the Brisbane Lions to a grand final last year and in the end to within a kick of a premiership. Daniel Rich, Marcus Adams has retired. Jack Gunston's left for Hawthorne, but Tom Duday arrives to stiffen the defence as part of a side cane that I'm sure is as hungry as it's ever been to climb the summit. Their uh, GM of football is a very good friend of ours here at SEN and very good to us normally. Danny Daly is with us again on this Thursday morning. Danny, really appreciate your time. How are you? Morning, Sam Kane. How are we? Great to have you on, mate. Uh, how's the preseason gone? How's everything tracking? And um, how are you shaping up on the 25th of January? Yeah, oh, I think all clubs are so the same. Everyone's flying this time here, aren't they? So uh, our boys have come back in, in really good nick, uh, obviously, after a big break after the grand final. And, um, you know, we're up here at the sunny coast at the minute, having a bit of a training camp as well as a community camp. So. You know, we're, we're gearing up for some match play. We've sort of had a little bit of a different pre-season this year. We've sort of gone a little bit down the um, the skill development side of things and, and we'll ramp up the match play over the next couple of weeks. But, um, you know, we're pretty healthy. A couple of little injuries which we're working through. But for the most part, we're in, uh, we're in good shape. Why did you decide to change up the pre-season, Danny? The, the skill development, ex- explain that, that rationale for us. Well, I think it's a bit more kind about, um, you know, we played deep into September. Uh, almost the start of October. So the competitive and, and match play part of our game um, is obviously quite good and we've been in the last final, final series. So we just thought it was a good opportunity for us, considering we didn't come back till early December, just to just to hone in on some of our um, our skills, our kicking, uh, our handballing, uh, things that things that we feel we got a little bit of a 1% uh, increase to, to go with in terms of our offensive game plan. Uh, so we thought we'd just... Uh, do a little bit more of that with our playing group and uh, and ramp up the, the competitive stuff, as I said, sort of over the next couple of weeks. And has that been well received? Like sometimes you can't hold the players back. They just want to get straight into it and, and start playing games almost day one from pre-season. As we've seen from other teams, what's the response been like from the players? Are they enjoying it? I think they are. I think they're enjoying the change-up. We still do some um, small-sided mm. games, handball games, which is competitive. It's just more the uh, the match play 18 v 18. I'm probably talking about more... Um, but I think they've enjoyed it. They've enjoyed the fact that, um, you know, we've, we've identified that we probably need to be a little bit better in that area. And um, like all players, they, they want to know how to improve. And, and this is an area we thought we needed to. So uh, they've been fantastic and approached it really well. You mentioned you're on a pre-season camp mixed with a community camp. What's the focus of it? Sometimes different strategies for different pre-season camps. Some don't even take a footy and it's team bonding and, and all that sort of stuff. What's the mix like? 
yeah, no, ours is purely, um, we still do our normal training sessions. So we trained yesterday, the boys did gym, we'll train tomorrow morning. So it's a normal training schedule. We just we just felt like the players in the past, over the pre-season with community camp, we've had to, you know, ship them off three or four Tuesdays in a row after weights and send them here, there and everywhere. So we thought it was a great idea to get together and come up to the sunny coast and uh, the boys can train and then go off and do some community stuff around the Sunshine Coast area with the schools. Um, it's an, obviously our, our academy uh, land up here as well. So uh, just a good opportunity to get away for a few days while still maintaining our normal training thing, but getting all our, our community camp um, ticked off and, um, yeah, just a little bit of time together. But, yeah, no real leadership stuff or bonding exercises or anything like that. Danny, are you, are you cramming? I mean, does it feel rushed? I mean, you've got the mandated leave period, of course. You played in the grand final. There's uh, opening round coming up this year as well. And you've got a game on February the 22nd against Gold Coast, a, a pre-season hit out of course. Does it feel more rushed than ever? Are you scrambling for every minute that you've got or, or not the case? It's funny when you've got to play a week early, you feel like you're scrambling a little bit. But um, no, it hasn't been too bad with... We've tried to maintain a, a nice balance and, um, you know, not stress too much about the fact that it doesn't feel like we've got a lot of time. Um, we feel like the program we've got in place will make sure that our playing group and everyone is ready for, for round zero. Um, so, no, it doesn't feel like that at all, mate. I want to ask you about Levi Ashcroft. Uh, will Ashcroft, rather. I will ask you about Levi in a moment. You'll upset a few when he lands, I'm sure. But with Will, how's he coming along with the knee? Yeah, Will's going well. Um you know, he's ticked every box. He, you know, he wants to get there about 10 weeks earlier than uh, we yeah. planned. But that, that's great that he feels like that and wants to be like that. Um, had a little bit of a hiccup pre-Christmas just with a, a little bit of swelling. But, you know, he's back uh, running. Um, he's kicking now. So he's progressing really well. Um, it's obviously been a, a mental challenge for the young man. His first year of football. But, you know, we've been help, able to help him through that. But, um Right now, he's in a good headspace. Uh, he's starting to kick the footy around. Uh, we're still expecting him to be right by around, you know, around 11 or 12. So uh, he'll be an important part of the cog towards the, the middle part of the year coming in for us. So, um, yeah, he's uh, he's going really well at the minute. Thanks. Pretty handy. And Duda, is he, well, is mm. he tracking at a similar time frame? Uh, Tommy's um, probably ahead of schedule. He's started to join in the competitive side of our uh, drills, etc. So we're expecting him to be hopefully available for selection by about round four or five. So uh, he's going around along really well. He's been a, a fantastic um, recruit for us. He's, he's such a good human being and um, he's so competitive and he's added a really a great deal to our group on and off the field. So we look forward to um, seeing him out there for us. Just away from footy, and we talk about footy all the time, of course, and that's why you're on with us, Danny. I wanted to ask you about one of your staff members who who sadly passed away. I'm not sure how long Nicole Duncan was at the Lions for. I think it was a few decades anyway. She she passed away. She had leukaemia, and uh, I don't even know how to phrase this question with you, but obviously she leaves a, a huge hole, and I think you were one of a number of people who were particularly close to, to Nicole. I wonder how uh, the club will look to, to pay tribute to her at, at, a, at a given time. Uh, yeah, Nicole was with us for 31 years. Um, you know, the Brisbane Bears, Brisbane Lions, um, Trinity, we've had 845 games and she was with us for 713 of those and wow. all of our 37 finals. And, you know, she's she's a footy club. She, you know, obviously worked really close with her. And, um, to, you know, to be honest, she was my boss. I wasn't her boss. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's sad. I had a great, you know... <laughs> 
I can be an emotional beast sometime, and I love my people. And um, yeah, it's been a, a tough few weeks, you know, supporting her. And you know, I checked in with her every day over the last month to make sure she was going okay. But it all ended too soon and too tragic for us. So um, it's it's a pretty sad time for us. Um, but we'll do a memorial service for her on Friday uh, at the Gabba from three to six, and and give her a good send off. And you know, we had a a meeting with the players and staff on Monday about ways we can honour her moving forward and um, we'll work through what that looks like and, and what we'll do. But, yeah, I'll miss her enormously. What made her so special, Danny? Um, she was just a good person. She, a carer. You know, our players brought their kids in, training. She looked after them. She always had mm. time for people. Um, it's been amazing the amount of text messages and phone calls and emails I've got from people around AFL community, other clubs, the AFL. Um, so she touched someone. She was just, she was just so good at her job. Mm. Um, yeah, so she was a special person. Yeah, no, people like that make not just footy clubs, but all work organisations the places that they are. So the football administration manager for, as you said, Danny, thirty-one years. Uh, thoughts with you guys at the club, and obviously Nicole's uh, family as well. After she passed away last uh, Saturday, um, sorry to leave you on that note, mate. Um, we we thought it important to 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 speak about Nicole for the role that she played, and appreciate you speaking so openly about her, and and obviously how uh, things are shaping up from a football point of view, which I'm sure we'll do again with you in the weeks to come, mate. Uh, all the best with it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about Nicole. It's much appreciated. There you go, Danny Daly. Have a good day, mate. Danny Daly, the Brisbane uh, General Manager of Football up there at the Gabba, does a great job. But, you know, these are lives, these are people, these are, you know, it goes beyond the boundary line, of course, and they all make the places, the, the, the sort of organisations that they are. 100%, yeah. And, and those special people are, are, are there at footy clubs and we probably should shine a light on them more because mm. it's not uh, until a tragedy like this happens that we speak about mm. them from time to time. But... I mean, and certainly internally, uh, clubs do a magnificent job of making these people feel special and important as they are. And on a football front, they're shaping up well again, aren't they? Like, well, that's the thing I was so saying. From a, from a footy point of view, they're, they're so ahead because of how developed they are that they don't have to come back and work yeah. on the fitness because the fitness is there. They can now really fine-tune the 1%, and that is the skill stuff that they're working on. They feel like the competitive nature of their game is in really good shape. So you can start to address and dig deep on slight issues that uh, you weren't up to scratch at or you thought there was room for improvement. Whereas other teams, younger teams, got to do all of it. You got yeah. to get fit. You got to compete. You got to work on the skills. The best teams can just sort of hone in on, on one area. They're in a really good spot. Nathan Gardner, he's got the headlines. It is indeed. I think the forecast is good for the first two days and potentially a bit miserable for three, four and five if the West Indies can uh, can push it towards those sort of days with the pink ball up there at Brisbane. Um, short segment now because speaking of that test, we're going to want to get Jared Waitley on the line in a couple of mm. minutes, Kane, to, to preview that and then maybe his travel plans as well for Vegas. Oh. Uh, we're going to let him loose on the street. He lives a life, doesn't he? <laughs> he does indeed. <laughs> he does very job. well. He's doing a top job, though, and uh, we're in good hands when it comes to the Super Bowl with uh, with Jared Whaley, and particularly our man Joel Brooks, who's uh, going to be piloting it all from uh, over there at uh, Allegiant Stadium. Brooks, um, yeah. one of the best producers in the business. Yes. That, that, that's it. So Monday, those games gear up for the, what our version of the prelim finals, mm-hmm. um, which will be fascinating as well. The, 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 the figure that intrigues me the most is Brock Purdy. I might, I might ask Jared his thoughts on it because he would have been watching this closely about this guy is so polarizing this pick his last pick in the draft the nfl quarterback for the 49ers some rate him and some don't i think he's been highly disrespected 
but it just as a media topic, it's been... Hasn't he been pumped up? I thought he'd been... Well, no, initially he was, but but then his record's amazing. Like, he's 20-5 and five or something. He's 3-0 mm. and zero in playoffs. But some rate him and some don't. Some say it's the weapons around him that has led to the success. And I think he's been slandered unfairly. Um, so I, I hope, and I'm now going for the 49ers for that result, and I'm barracking for that. But, yeah, it's big business over there. It's nearly $60 million watch the game between the Chiefs and the Bills. 60 million people watch that game. amount of people. Yeah, it? it's nuts. It's Crazy. Crazy. Uh, right, well, Jared, he's up in uh, Brisbane, of course. So he'll be up at the Gabba. We'll get him on the line shortly. A reminder, the Toyota Call of the Year is back. It starts next Monday. Go in the draw for a new 2024-style Toyota Hilux GR Sport. There's Toyota Hilux stock available everywhere now. Just contact your local Toyota dealer today. Back in a moment. Breakfast on Well, there's so much happening in the cricket world right now in just about every format, but the second and final test between Australia and the West Indies starts today up at the Gabba, which is where we find the captain of the SEN commentary team, Jared Whaley. Jared, welcome in. Sam Kane, hello. Set the scene for us up in Bris Vegas, if you will. What are we looking like? It's glorious today, uh, top of 32, and it'll be sunny throughout. Uh, the trouble is, is if you followed any of the news services, you'll mm. know that there's a cyclone bound for Queensland, and the forecast is volatile, to say the least. Uh, early in the week, it looked like Saturday and Sunday could be a wipeout with sort of 50 and 70 or 80 mils of rain each day, but that that is changing routinely. So I think there's a degree of optimism that... Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday will be largely uninterrupted and then it might get a bit grim after that. But pink ball test, what we saw in Adelaide, I think, and I don't mean to be disrespectful in any way, but I think three days would be plenty. And keep in mind that last year at the Gabba, it was a two-day test match. That was against South Africa, but there was a bit of a problem with the pitch in that. But white ball, pink ball cricket does tend to move pretty quickly regardless. Yeah, and a volatile weather forecast, but volatile selection as well. A bit of COVID going through the camp and yes. players coming in and out of protocols and playing with it and playing without it. It's uh, it's all happening. Probably a bigger threat than, um, than the opposition in the way <laughs> that it shakes up is just how unstable that could be. So Travis Head has had COVID. And he's now through uh, and tested negative, returned to the Nets yesterday, but Cameron Green has tested positive. So as matters stand, if he's still positive this morning, he'll be in isolation in a in a different change room, which we have seen before. We saw it with Matt Renshaw in the Sydney test last year where he sort of shunted away from the team. And then Andrew McDonald has tested positive as well. So that'll keep him out of the dressing room for the time being. So it's a bit like... Uh, I have a good deal of sympathy. A lot of households have had this, haven't they? You just get one through it and then somebody else goes down. So that's what's happening in the cricket team. But uh, we're a long way from a couple of years ago where where that would have caused all sorts of of dramas and interruptions. Just got some breaking news as we Mm. speak. Jared Tom Morris has uh, just tweeted that Simon Lethleen will depart as the Saints CEO. The club and him have mutually agreed to part ways effective immediately. We'll speak to Tom Surely, when do you go about getting back into footy mode? Because it's going to come around a lot quicker this year than what it usually does, Jared. Yeah, I'm a bit half and half. I've sort of got a bit of everything going at the moment. So, (laughs) boring you. My quick schedule is is to test cricket here and then the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, a bit of test cricket in New Zealand, 
and then essentially land on the Monday leading into opening round. So, yeah, as soon as you get to the scratch matches, and then the that, and you know, and I'm a bit like everybody. I'm listening mm. to a lot of what you do. I'm following what Kingy's doing around the training sessions, um, and then we get to see it for ourselves through those scratch matches and the one round of practice matches. But yeah, as as soon as the uh, Australian Open finishes on Sunday, there's a good flavour of footy season from the following Monday. We've we've been speaking about the the Super Bowl. We're very jealous of yourself and and Brooksy and Vegas and what that will hold. It. Who are you barracking for to be in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Which game do you want? Mm. Which game do I want? Uh, so. A bit like everybody, I'm transfixed by the Detroit Lions story, yeah. uh, which we we know that so well, don't we? If you're a Richmond supporter or a Geelong supporter or a Sydney supporter or a Bulldog supporter, this is your story of a team that's had decades without any success. And their, their two home games where they've won have been absolute spectacles, mm. as much because of the... You know the the fifth uh, the eighty year old who's been the ticket holder for sixty odd years sitting in the stands and he gets focused on as well as Eminem who has that great relationship with that city and is able to fire that crowd up and Jared Goff who was dispensed with after the the Rams had a disappointing Super Bowl performance um, and there's a bit of a are you a believer that this is a Cinderella story or are they a very well-equipped team that has harnessed the modern trend of a coach who has built culture above all else? So I suspect this has more substance to it than just that sort of cliched Cinderella run. And so if they were in the Super Bowl, it would be rather extraordinary. Um, The 49ers have so much, but... Brock Purdy is the last pick from a draft and he's the quarterback and uh, he's just a little limited. So if the Super Bowl is a showcase of a great quarterback, he's not quite going to be that by reputation. The Baltimore Ravens have been the best team of the season and Lamar Jackson's going to be the MVP. Uh, so you're drawn to them as the best team and I never get tired of watching the Chiefs play. Um, and what they, the, it was the first time they'd really looked like a contender in the win over the Bills, and I thought they were comprehensive. So I probably have a leaning towards the Ravens and the Lions, and reading what's going on in the US, um, that's that's the popular pick for something something new and something romantic. Jared, how have you viewed the summer of cricket just back on the domestic front here? I mean, does it feel like we're treading water for our next Aussie summer? Or how, how have we gotten by, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think, and that was what it was always going to be in prospect. Um, there was great cricket played in 2023, just none of it was in Australia. And yeah, it was a, it was a holding summer. Pakistan were entertaining, which we were blessed by that, and we owe them a debt of gratitude. And the West Indies provided um, lovely stories, but they're just so inexperienced in Test cricket. And, and then the next two summers here are five tests against India. So this is the reinstatement of a five-test series against the global superpower, followed by an Ashes. So we're going to have two awesome summers of test cricket. It's just this wasn't, this wasn't it. So that's part of the debate around the future of the game is you don't want too many summers like this for test cricket in Australia where it's so cherished. But the states who have done a great job with their test matches salute Adelaide. That that's the best test of the year and has been for a long time. It's my favourite. People turned out regardless of opponent, regardless of what days it was on. Um, and Sydney and Melbourne have that. 
And now it's up to, to Brisbane to rediscover that, which hopefully they'll return to the start of the summer for the next couple. And then Perth have that huge challenge is do they actually mm-hmm. want their test match? And do they want to support it? So I hear nothing but excuses and whinging and moaning out of Perth, but it's on them to have a look at what happens around the rest of the country and, and get into it. And if they're not, then pass it up to, to another state that is. So, yeah, th- this was just an inevitable test summer that had to be uh, that had to be got through to get to the to, to the fantastic stuff and and the future is how many summers do you want to have without either India or England as your as your test opponent and that's that's part of the changing face of of cricket and test cricket in mm. particular. Jared, great to catch up. Uh, good calling up there in Brisbane. Obviously, safe travels over to the states and uh, we'll be hearing from you very very soon. Thanks for your time. No worries. I'll be back Monday. I'm, uh, I assume this test will be finished, so I'll be back in my spot on Monday. Good to hear. Jared Whateley back in his uh, normal position Monday here at SEN. Uh, just enough time to get to Tom Morris, who broke the story moments ago, as you read out, Kane, that Simon Lethleen will today depart the St Kilda Football Club as their, as, uh, their Chief Executive Officer. And, Tom, as we welcome you in, you're, you're reporting it as a, a mutual parting of the ways, effective immediately. Yeah, morning to you, Sam. Morning, Kane. Well, it's mutual, but like we all know, um, there's mutual and there's mutual. And I'm sorry for the background noise there. I think um, I think we all know that uh, that there's been so many changes in St Kilda over the past 18 months, 24 months, and I reckon there's more to this story. So I'm still digging exactly why and how it's taken place. But um, the official line is it, it is mutual, and uh, Simon Lethleen will depart St Kilda today, and it'll be effective immediately. It's a significant change at this time of the year. I sat next to Caroline Wilson on Footy Classified. It was in July, Tom, and she reported some disharmony between Lethleen and Ross Lyon. At that stage, she said that Lethleen had denied it, but she was hearing strong speculation that the coach and the CEO weren't as aligned as they should have been, which was a concern to her. So clearly there's more to this. Yeah, I mean, my understanding of the situation is that Lethleen and Ross Lyon didn't butt heads. They just didn't have much of a relationship. They didn't really cross paths. They didn't really um, work together too closely. Um, so it depends what sort of relationship you want your CEO and coach to have. I think a collaborative one is one where they're constantly talking and constantly negotiating and communicating. That wasn't this relationship. Um, mm. This is not to say that they, that they really disliked each other. I just don't think there was much there between the two. And I've got no doubt that Ross Lyon... Um, has put his stamp on the club in a number of ways, hasn't he? I mean, Nick Walsh, we, we reported last year, um, the fitness boss departed. Um, Jared Ruffhead and Chris Toshe, two, rec- two recruiters and list management officials have departed. The whole medical team's been cleaned out. Um, this is not to say that Ross has done all of that, but uh, it's no coincidence that as soon as Ross comes in, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of people that leave for varying circumstances, and I guess Simon Lethleen's the latest one. Yep, and Ross and Simon have both denied, um, I guess, accusations that they didn't get along and there'd been disharmony, but Kane, there wouldn't have been many, if any, CEOs who had as little to do with their football department as Simon Lethleen did at St Kilda, and yep. I think that was mm-hmm. a big part of the problem that had festered for a long period of time at perhaps Ross's instigation. Um Tom, great job. Appreciate you jumping on quickly with us. Uh, we'll catch you on Channel 9 tonight. Uh, Tom Morris there with the breaking news that Simon Lethleen will today leave the St Kilda Football Club as CEO. What a shake-up at that footy club over 12 months. Yeah, it's been massive, enormous. hasn't it? Yep. It's been enormous. Yep. He's come in and he's instigated a lot of change. Um, uh, that's for sure. Ross Lyon at the Saints. Right, we're powered by Kubota here. You can take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Busy, busy show. We'll take our final break. Back in a moment.